Blog Talk Radio. And now, live from the IMLD Home Studio, in its seventh season, this is, in much less detail, the podcast, where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. With your hosts, Jay and Dre. Yes, we are back for another football party. It is time for In Much Less Detail, the podcast here with you live on a Saturday night, October the 19th, 2019. I'm Dre. He's Jay. We are in the house getting ready to pick week seven in the NFL. That'll come up later on. Uh, We will review a little bit of week six and the uh, week in between before we get to week seven. And Jay, yeah, weeks. Uh, I, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but I thought the story of week six was the the zebra silliness, the referees, bad calls. There was some bad calls on Sunday already, and then Monday night was just the the icing on the cake. And that's what it, it felt like everybody was talking about on Tuesday morning. Not uh, any of the teams and, and the records and who's best and and real or fake or anything like that. It was all about the bad officiating and, and once again, uh, sort of taking over as the, the, the highlight point of the season, what everyone is focusing on. You certainly felt that that was the way that the narrative was going. Uh, we have coaches now that are completely gun-shy about throwing the flag to against any pass interference or offensive pass interference or missed pass interference calls because the success rate of overturning those calls is, is virtually zero. So if you're a coach and there's any doubt, any doubt in your mind that this is going to be, um, you know, overturned, don't throw the flag because at that point you're basically burning timeouts. So you've, you've even seen coaches now not challenging the plays that they were challenging early in the season. So that's become a very real sort of at the forefront thing is just what a joke. I mean, this, this whole, pass interference rule really feels like a shut the hell up rule by the NFL. Like, hey, just shut up. You can challenge it now. Go away. And nobody's overturning anything. Uh, you know, and they, they don't know what, what what's clear and obvious. And now they're looking for intent. I love how you can see intent. Like, you can actually see what's <laughs> in the mind of the player mm-hmm. during the play. Um, but no, I think the, yeah, it's the, the, the coup de grace was Monday night with the the absolute hose job that was that was that was the sick feeling in the stomach again, you know that was that was that was Jim Joyce that was you know, that <laughs> that it was that level because it wasn't just one play you just kept constantly watching these referees shitting all over the Detroit Lions and we were on the right side of that pick by the way this went for picking the game purposes or if it had been a gambling purpose this was going our way we I believe both had the Lions and the points. That's right, but it should have been a straight up one. To basically see an outcome look like it had been shifted by the officials, and it was it was bad. These hands to the face penalties, the uh, pass interference that's not called, uh, 
the, the two hands to the face ones were, were pretty ridiculous. Uh, the one that really stood out to me was the first one, where I believe it ended in a sack. And yeah. if you watch the replay, you watch Aaron Rodgers standing, you know, and doing his little shuffling around thing and shuffling around, and he gets sacked. And as soon as his body hits the ground, you see the ref actually reach into his pocket and throw the flag. <laughs> After the play was over. And that was one of those where I was watching on the ESPN. I was watching the post-game show. I was the one with Scott Van Pelt because they had all the, you know, they had all the guys coming back on who called the game or watched the game. And it was just the, the outrage about how bad the officiating was. It was funny because the Van Pelt was on the show basically trying to minimize it. No, it couldn't be this bad, is it? And every guest he had on was like, no, no, it was really that bad. No, it really was. <laughs> yeah. So he's trying to tow, you know, yeah, well, ESPN's got the contract. He's trying to tow the company line, trying to sort of downplay the importance of how bad these calls were. And every guest that he had on was like, no, 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 this was awful. And, you know, to have, to have people comparing this to, um, like, replacement refing. You know, the, the, the Twitter crowd, the Twitterverse was definitely, uh, it, you know, Twitter explodes. But it was it was bad. It was really bad. And yeah, but don't, that, that's that lean forward in the seat moment where I'm like, wait a minute, did I just see that? And then they went back and they showed it again later in the show. And I'm like, I did see that. That ref actually threw the flag after the play was over. It, and it if was... he'd seen the hands to the face, but then was just kind of <laughs> going to let the thing play out. And then, oh, wait, this isn't a good outcome. Let me throw the flag now. Hang on, and, I, I see yeah. a penalty now. <laughs> you keep extending these Packers drives, and the Lions clearly outplayed them, did not deserve to lose the game. Um, I think we were both on board with that. We thought that this felt like a game that Detroit could go in there and steal, and, and they still they still kept the number. So we got I got one of my meager wins for the week. Those were hard to come by. But, yeah, it it was pretty bad. It was bad. You knew it was bad when the crew doing the game uh, was fired up. I'm surprised Booger McFarland still has a job. And I'm not the biggest bigger Booger McFarland fan. I actually don't really like that Monday night booth. I, I, it's pretty boring. But you get a former player that fired up, and uh, it, it can it can be fun sometimes. That was definitely something that you don't hear very often. Is the the <laughs> honesty. And the the raw emotion of a of a guy who's been on the field in the trenches and who knows how bad of a screw job it is to have that happen to you when you're not when you're playing your ass off and you're not doing anything wrong and you're not taking cheap shots you're not Vontez perfect you're not someone trying to do things the wrong way you're trying to play the right way uh, as Trey Flowers was trying to do for the Lions and to get flagged for playing the right way but because of right. the optics because it looked like the uh, the incompetent offensive lineman was getting his his face pushed in because his head kept snapping back when he was getting uh, destroyed by Trey Flowers uh, twice. Uh, they decided to throw a flag uh, against you. Uh, yeah, I'm it's not that I'm not surprised that he still has a job, but I'm surprised he's still alive. I thought he was going to bust a <laughs> temple up there. Yeah. So so not to go off topic at all here, but I'm going to do a little sidebar, a little non sequitur here for this on a moment, because I was all set to to crown to crown his ass, to crown Booger McFarland, getting him like the, you know, media, you know, outrage award of the year, fairly deserved because of his his outrage at the performance of the referees in that game, but 
I, I have to throw this toss-up out there for you because Uh-oh. on Thursday night, Troy Aikman absolutely destroyed <laughs> Joe Flacco. <laughs> yes, he did. And I am very intolerant of Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. I don't like them. I don't think they call very good games. But something I've realized is when Buck and Aikman call AFC games and you kind of take all the Homer equations out of it, they actually call a pretty decent game. And I don't know how much of that game you watched, but Aikman was just, by by the third, fourth quarter of that game, I thought Aikman was going to run down there, beat up Joe Flacco, put on his uniform, and go start playing football (laughs) because he was so tired. I mean, he was on every throw. He's like wondering where the backup was. It was, it was, it was painful to watch if you were a Broncos fan or maybe a big Joe Flacco fan, but have you seen a, a former player absolutely just laying into, I mean, this cause, cause Joe Flacco's performance was very Andy Dalton esque. I mean, that was Andy Dalton Thursday night football bad ah. right there. It was bad and it kept getting worse. And it, it, if you saw what I'm talking about, you've seen some, some awful Andy Dalton. So, who wore it better, Booger or Aikman? You're going to have to take this one because that game was so ugly and out of control by Thursday <laughs> night. I was I was out. I was done. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's hard. I'm going to turn on the, the Jeopardy music for you. to. Yes. Who was the more apoplectic former yes. player in the booth, Booger McFarland or Troy Aikman? I have... I, I'm going to, in a very, very slight edge here, give it to Aikman, because mm. Nor- we've seen the commentators with outrage at the refs. I, we saw it with Gruden, you know, when he was in the Monday night booth, where a few times uh, he blew up on stuff. We saw it during the fail Mary. So we've seen uh, commentators and, and, and the, the play callers, you know, the people calling the game and the color commentators, we've seen them blow up and give the refs a hard time. I haven't seen it this bad with a play with like player on player violence. Right, especially uh, the same position. Usually yes. they're all oh he it's such a tough job and he yeah. he prepares every week and he really is very smart. He knows exactly what the position needs. That they're the yeah. quarterbacks are always slobbering all over each and other. I don't remember if I texted you or if I put it on Twitter, but I definitely made reference uh to you about how bad about how bad Aikman. Oh yeah, yeah, I saw it uh, on, on. Here's that. I sent you a text uh, midway on. through the game. Here, basically, the text they sent you says, "Damn, even Troy Aikman has had enough of Flacco." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I read. So I read some of the criticism later on. So, but yeah, so in the, hearing so it, no, in a, I wasn't. A, I wasn't there. Yeah, so in a slight, slight nod, I'm going to give it to Aikman because that was a level of criticism that I'm not used to seeing. Um, especially where it was the former quarterback ripping on another quarterback when you expect it to be apologetic. Well, you know, maybe Joe Flacco's just having a bad night. No, Troy Aikman's ready to get his ass out of the game. He had seen (laughs) enough. And I don't blame him. I mean, Flacco just kept standing there and taking it and taking it. And I was, that's what, that's what drove me out of the the telecast uh, was just watching. At some point, you know, it's not going to happen. You know what I mean? As someone right. who has the Broncos, at some point oh, sure. I, was, I was like, "This, this is this isn't gonna happen." Pat Mahomes gets knocked out of the game. The league MVP is knocked out yeah. of the game with his kneecap twisted the wrong way, and the score goes up in the Chiefs' favor. It keeps going up, 
And I'm like, this is not how it's supposed to happen. It's supposed to go the other way. What? Yeah. At some point I was like, okay, this isn't going to work because Flacco just refused to get rid of the football. He just kept taking sacks and kept pressure was coming at him from every angle. And you would think it it, it is very very reminiscent of an Andy Dalton primetime performance because at some point, you know what's coming. You know players are coming to to sit on your head. Get rid of the motherfucking football. (laughs) Either throw it at one of your players or out of bounds, one of the two. Don't just stand there and hold it and just fall down like a baby. And this is a Chiefs defensive line. The previous week against Houston's just garbage offensive line got zero sacks on Deshaun Watson. And they just turned it up in Denver, boy. They turned every corner you could find. They were turning it and getting after Flacco. So yeah, so so okay, uh, yeah. So I just a little sidebar there. So we we got. I, I'm glad you got that game out of your system because that was that was a bad one. I'll take that win. That was a nice easy win. I, I got the message alert on my phone right before I left work on thir- Thursday night that uh, Mahomes was hurt. I saw that the I saw what the score was and I was like, eh, okay, I could see a Broncos comeback coming here. And then by the time I drove home and the score had extended <laughs> even farther, I was like, wow. Oh, okay, and then I saw the and then I saw the Matt Moore pass that he dropped in uh, against a rush. I mean, he danced around in the pocket, avoided a rush, and just dropped an absolute dime into Tyreek Hill, uh, who took it. I believe it was like a almost a seventy yard touchdown pass to the house. That was like okay, ball game. Uh, right. The baseball game was uninteresting at that point because Houston was whooping up on. I believe that was yeah, that was Houston whooping up pretty good on the Yankees. So that was sort of the counter program. So I had no reason. But at one point, uh, the Thursday night football game had gone to a commercial. I'm like, oh, I'm going to see what's going what's happening in the other game. I switched the station. Literally, as soon as I switched the station, that was when Correa hit the three run jack to make it six one. Wow. And I was like, yeah. okay, I don't need to watch this game anymore. And then right. once Aikman just started, once Aikman started piling on Joe Flacco, I was like, oh man, this is too good. Yeah, uh, th- you know, th- th- it was like it was like Troy Aikman unleashed. If I had uh, Kansas City instead of Denver, I may have stuck around and watched the ball game as well, the football yeah. game. But sure. having Denver uh, and seeing how that was going, I couldn't take it. I had to get out yeah. of that. Now, back to the Monday night game. because That was my sidebar mm-hmm. moment. was a little more media take there. But that also got us a chance to talk about that uh, pretty bad performance by the Denver Broncos and uh, giving up nine sacks to the Kansas City Chiefs. Probably doubled their season total just in that game. It was just just amazing. Uh, Let me go off on a non sequitur and uh, really, really, really brief. uh, And and because uh, uh, piggybacking off of your point as part of the uh, referees uh, making a a name of themselves and making themselves a story this year um, is also uh, what you had brought up, which is the lack of uh, transparency or lack of, of willing to uh, admit a mistake when uh, a flag is thrown for pass interference. Uh, they're replaying these these interferences that have not been called on the field, and you're seeing the the arms of the defender barring the, the receiver yes. from raising his hand to uh, catch the pass, which is, I believe, the textbook definition of pass interference. <laughs> Upon further review, the play stands. There's no interference. Nothing to see yeah, here. It's because it's because they can't see intent. 
did he really mean mean to armbar and clothesline the guy? Did he really mean it? He may have impeded the arms of the receiver, but he didn't really mean to. He was just playing hard, so we're going to give him a pass on that. Yeah. Um, that just it reminds me, I guess, of uh, uh, I tried not to make things political, but it just was so obvious to me when you uh, brought up the fact that they're obviously looking at these interference calls and not reversing them just as a fuck you to everybody who wanted uh, the replay to be put in there. Uh, it, it's kind of like uh, now these coaches know what it's like to uh, – bring up uh, police brutality and have it go before the board and have the board look at it and go, ah, no, no, we don't see anything here. It, it's, it's not <laughs> brutality. 17 <laughs> shots in the back uh, in the, to a 14 year old kid. Uh, it was justified. He was, he was afraid for his life. The cop was afraid for his life. So we, we don't see anything here. Sorry. None to see here, folks. Go away. Yeah. Uh, very reminiscent of very, very same kind of fuck you. Uh, sure. Yeah. Obviously they put this, this rule in because Sean Payton, lobbied and lobbied and lobbied for it in the, in the off season. And they finally were yeah. like, okay, fine, fine. We'll vote it in. We'll yeah, give it a trial the, run. The, sh- the shut up Sean rule. Shut up Sean. Yeah. We'll, we'll give it a run. We'll give it a, a year. See how it works out. Uh, and then after a year we'll go, see, we didn't really overturn any of these. There was nothing to see. So there was no need, there was no need for replay. It was just a big waste. Ah, uh-huh. yeah. If they, if they really did call these plays the way they, are and the way that you see them. Everyone can see these plays. The, the next step is going to be that they bar the, the telecast from playing the replay that's being reviewed because it's so obvious that you got interference going on, but because it wasn't called on the field, they're not going to overturn it uh, when they right. go for replay. And so early in the season, you, you could see that clearly the memo has gone to these guys who these TV crews, the, you know, the official representative that they have in the booth with them or that they go to where early in the season, these guys were like, yes, this looks like pass interference. And now they're just like, well, you know, I'm not so sure. I don't see intent there. I don't That's right, think, I don't see uh, intent. <laughs> he didn't really intend to interfere with them. He didn't so mean okay. to clothesline the guy. <laughs> he didn't mean to hold his, pin his arms down so he couldn't raise him up to catch the football. He didn't mean to. So, yeah, as far as the Monday night game, um, there were so many things happening in that game that get overshadowed. Yeah by the terrible uh, officiating. Uh, most important to, that stood out to me is Aaron Rodgers. My God. Uh, once again, making plays and making players out of guys you've never heard of. Yeah. And, and throwing some, some incredible balls. You talked about the uh, Matt Moore dime to Tyreek Hill this past Thursday. Uh, the, that, that play, um, the first flag where Trey Flowers got called for uh, hands to the face that erased that third down sack. That winds up overshadowing what Aaron Rodgers came back and did with that second chance, which is drop about the most. I'm not even, I know I tried, uh, I, I know it's hyperbole and I try not to be one of those guys that this is the greatest of all time. This is just because I saw it, but that ball he dropped in to Someone named Lazard, Alan Lazard, Alan is that Lazard. his name? I know the ball you're talking about. Up the up the left sideline, that was that 35-yarder. About the most perfect ball I've yeah. ever seen. That actually made me – that was my uh, stand-up out of the chair moment where I said, my God, that was so perfectly dropped right into his pocket uh, for, a, yeah. for a touchdown to, to bring the Packers within the possession. 
so important and so impressive and completely overshadowed by the stupid refereeing call. Right. Play that um, never should have happened. I mean, basically is what we're looking exactly. at. So the, the fact that the play never should have happened doesn't negate the fact that on a third down, a long third is a third and long. And, and Aaron Rodgers almost out of sheer will heaves that ball. And I was think I remember thinking at the time that he did it, that it, he, his attitude at that point was basically like, fuck it. I'm scoring a touchdown. Hmm. We're going for it. I mean, you could almost see it almost like he threw that ball angry. And then you see this Lazard kid, I mean, off basically what the practice squad who, who know where yeah. the hell this kid came from sixth basically the sixth guy probably on the depth chart uh goes insane in the fourth quarter and that that 35 yard touchdown pass and i know exactly because that play is just like seared into my brain because i still cannot believe in that spot just the stones that it took for aaron Rodgers to to throw that ball and drop that in there in that situation yeah. really that's that's game on the line right there and you, you don't see a lot of quarterbacks who will throw that ball with that level of confidence and that level of confidence. And basically the last guy up off your bench. Well, Aaron tried to make uh, a star out of somebody earlier than that. So all this refereeing and, and a zebra garbage overshadows that where he had uh, this kid staff, uh, uh, yeah, Stafford, Shepherd. Is that his name? Shepherd. I'm Shepherd. The kid who's kept uh, fucking the, up. Yes, that he was trying to, to make a, a playmaker on the field and uh, gives him a shot in the end zone of the drive before that, and the ball hits him in the face oh, and pops was... up in the air for a Justin yes. Coleman interception, which was, that looked to me... Like, that looked like a play from a movie about kids playing football, <laughs> and that's the kid that can't catch. That's like very Little Giants-esque right there. Yeah. It really was. I, it might be the first put, Little Giants reference on this show, but I think it's appropriate. Uh, I, I put an asterisk on my notes next to that play because I thought that was the turning point because they're, I, they're yeah. they've overcome all the the, the Lions stuff and all the coming the Detroit coming out and that'll be overshadowed as well coming out and going bombs away from the very first play of the game. Oh, and, and that was impressive. Yeah, and then Matthew that Stafford away. just saying, here's and, what we're going yeah. to do. We're going to put you know, it to you, and you can't do anything about it. And I'm not sitting there with the all-22s, but I have a feeling the Packers def- uh, must have adjusted to that because that wasn't there anymore for the Lions, or they just quit doing it. But I have a feeling that was a Packers adjustment. You know how uh, conservative coaching gets? I bet it was just this was part of their uh, 15 scripted plays to take advantage of the, the weaknesses in the Packers secondary. And then they just forget about it as the game goes on because they're trying to, to just play the game from that point instead of just going back to what was working. Um, yeah. They should have stick, stuck with that bombs away game plan. Cause that was definitely uh, getting them a big uh, advantage and a big heads up. Um, so that'll get overshadowed. Uh, but yeah, that that play, I thought green Bay overcoming everything to get back in the game. And then the shepherd kid, lets the ball hit him in the face and pop up for a pick. I thought that was it. I really did think that was the game. And Aaron Rodgers overcomes all of that, again, needing the referee's help. But that was a Hall of Fame game for Aaron Rodgers. When you talk about his career, um, you have to overshadow and, and overlook all the zebra crap. But yeah. just focusing on what Aaron Rodgers did to to win that game, uh, that was unbelievable. Because that, that's, that's, he never should have won that game with the with the – talent on the field that he was trying to win with or lack of talent uh, guys trying to play hurt Marquez 
Valdez Scantling had a big play for him before he had to go back down yeah. and, and, and sit down. And tried to come back. He actually tried to gut right. out a little bit, and that didn't work out either. So just guys you never heard of, and, and Rodgers is making it work because that's how fucking great Aaron Rodgers is, I, and I all of that still, gets overshadowed. I'm still not submitting that performance as Exhibit A for the greatness of Aaron Rodgers. I know it's like the dagger in your heart, but I'm still submitting that week one performance last year against the Bears oh, on, well. on one leg. Uh, mounting that I wasn't trying to comeback. compare to that. Yeah. <laughs> that is, to me, uh, that was just, I mean, and that, that's just guts. I mean, that was uh, that was Jake DeLome level of guts right there. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I wonder yeah, how many God. people even get these references of ours. but <laughs> some, some of them do. Uh, Somebody's going to get that one. A handful of people that listen. Yeah. <laughs> got to really love football. That's the only time I will ever equate the career of Aaron Rodgers <laughs> to Jake DeLome, by the way. Uh, so, yeah, and, and to end the game uh, – you get that last drive where Lazar yeah. keeps making catches and, and growing before our eyes and Rogers pulling it down and running forward and just all sorts of plays being made by the Packers to get all the way down. Uh, and, and Rogers holds it forever and should have drawn uh, holding on his offensive lineman. But again, it's the, the hands to the face call on Trey flowers again, which he did not do yeah. again uh, to extend that drive. So at that point, the Lions are like, well, we have no timeouts now. We're down here uh, at our goal line. We're going to have to let Green Bay score and win this and, yeah, and take the lead. They tried to pull the Mike Holmgren. They did. That's the only way we're going to get the ball back and have a chance to win it ourselves. And uh, Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams, yeah. Like, nope. I'm going to play. Of, and, and Jamal Williams would probably play of the game, <laughs> at least from a from a from a heady standpoint, because you can see the moment in Jamal Williams's brain. You can see the intent right there. You actually can see the spot in his mind where he realized that they were trying to let him score and just sat his booty down on the turf right at about the two-yard line. I mean, that is that is a smart football play because not, 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 a, not a great play if you had Jamal Williams on your fantasy team. Right. Um, <laughs> but from just a, uh, you know, knowing your situational awareness uh, very smart because the Lions at that point were going to get the ball back maybe a little less than a minute left, which was plenty of time, um, needing a touchdown to win versus not getting the ball back at all, letting Mason Crosby kick a 19-yard field goal. Yeah, you could see uh, Williams, you see his body tense up as he gets ready to uh, go through arms and get contact to try to (laughs) score. And at some point, he realized that the Lions had put some velvet rope around themselves and were escorting him <laughs> the aisle into the That's end right. zone. They rolled out the red st- carpet to the end zone for him. And you see him stop at the two and go, wait yeah. a minute. See, the, the problem <laughs> for the Lions is they did it from too far out. If that would have been the Packers trying to run that in from the two or three yard line, he probably right. momentum would have carried him in. The problem was is they were running this play from about the nine. And, and he goes five or six yards untouched yeah. before he realized, wait a yeah. minute. He's like, wait, hey, this is a little bit too easy. It's not supposed to go this way. Yeah, and, and, and sits his booty down right at the two. And, uh, no, very smart play. Although I did immediately think about anybody who lost their fantasy matchup by a half a point or 
three points because they had Jamal Williams as the last thing they needed on a a Monday night football, and they're seeing the open lane, and they're like, oh, they're going to let him score, and then he sits his butt down. Oh, speaking of fantasy, that reminded me. Um, Karma got back. I won a game earlier this year by less than a point with the Bears' defense, and Karma got me back this week on this very game. Um, I was behind a lot going into Monday night, but I had one player left, and it happened to be the Lions kicker, Matt Prater, and he had himself a hell of a night kicking field goals from all sorts of different distances and making up a 20-some-odd point deficit for me. And as it turned out, the last possession for the Lions for the last field goal, which happened with a lot of time left still in the fourth quarter, uh, left me behind by less than a point. And I was like, hey, the Lions are going to get got time to get another possession, get another score, another – all I need is an extra point. I don't even need another field goal. I just need to – and they never got the ball back. Oh. Lost the game yeah. by less than the point. So much for that. I, I'm, I'm like the Cowboys now, the fantasy league. I had the the, the three and zero star while I was ruling everything, and now I'm three and three and going, what the fuck? So, yeah, I, I can identify Cowboys fans. Anyway, yeah, that was rough. Uh, losing to the Jets on the road, I, we didn't see that coming. Oh boy, no, we didn't. I'm so glad I did not go and bet uh, football games last Sunday, which I was very tempted to do. Uh, yeah, um, you that, were. That, <laughs> that would have been one of them. That definitely would have been a game that I put, uh, picked was, was Cowboys over yeah, the Yeah, if you hadn't locked I, up the Patriots on Thursday night, that may have – that felt mm, lockish. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and if not that, maybe the Redskins over the Dolphins because the Dolphins are tanking, right? So – uh, I actually, I believe, had that one. One of my yeah. five wins last week was the Dolphins or uh, covering the four against the Redskins because how can you be a home dog to a winless team? <laughs> and it and it worked. Yeah, but the Skins were it dominating them. Magic. It took it took some Fitz magic to get there. Yes, another I believe he came change. in with them down. What were they down? Seventeen three, I believe, when he came in. Yeah, something like that. And then they scored the two touchdowns, made it 17-16, I believe. And then, of course, because it's the Dolphins, they completely <laughs> botched the two-point conversion. I'm not going to say it happened on purpose, but it, it was pretty bad. Come on. Come on. It looked bad. It looked, I couldn't it see looked intent. Like a thro- it looked like a tank. Couldn't Come see on. Intent. I can't actually tell you they intended to not get the two-point conversion. I didn't see the intent. If you this ever the were going – if you were going to drop a two-punch like Kenyon Drake did on purpose, wouldn't it look like that? Because that looked like exactly uh, what he did. I, I'm, I'm not saying. I'm just I, mean, I, I know. I couldn't see it in his brain, though. really bad. It did. It was a bad look. That's about you, you like an official throwing the flag after the play is completely over. You couldn't see his intent, though. So you couldn't really see the it. intent. Maybe the ref was reaching for it and he couldn't find it. And you couldn't see Kenyon Drake's intent either. So you don't really know if, no. if he was tanking or not. Yeah, we, but I, we, I think we don't the know people who won in that matchup were the Dolphins fans because could you imagine overtime Dolphins? Oh, got extra Ugh. Dolphins football, folks. That's probably uh, the, the best coaching move of, of Brian yep. Forbes' career is making sure that you don't have <laughs> overtime in that game Saving one way or the other. Saving your fan base from extra football. Somebody might get hurt. Uh, I'm also glad that didn't get tied and go to overtime because, you know, the Redskins would have scored the touchdown and then gotten the cheap cover. <laughs> uh, that would not have surprised me at all. Yes. So, yeah, I would. I was. So that's a 
about we do not need to spend much more time this season talking about the Dolphins, but I, I'm only gonna <laughs> I'm only gonna talk about them for that moment because I kept going to the well with the Dolphins and I finally finally got one to come home. They covered. They are not gonna go home sixteen against the spread. <sighs> they won't. That would be a miracle. Even like the 0 and 16 they Lions were or the 0 and 16 it. Browns, they covered spreads. Uh, again, they look way more competitive than this Dolphins team does. This seems like a lot to be 0 and 16 because they look way worse than any of the previous wins. <laughs> I still, I still don't see them as a FedEx team. They're just bad. Exactly. They're not mailing it in. They're just terrible. That's my point. They're, they're this bad and they're trying. Imagine what they're going to look when they start trying. There's a team down in Atlanta we may want to start talking about as a, as mailing it in. Oh my God, that poor team, the the fucking Falcons. My goodness, you know. You know, and Matt Ryan. You look at the box score. You would have thought they won by three touchdowns because he had a stat line for the very much like in the Super Bowl when they lost. You look at the stat line of the quarterback and like, man, this guy balled out. And then you look up and you go, wait, they lost to the Cardinals. <laughs> Uh, they're not losing because of the quarterback, that's for sure. So I'm, uh, no, I'm they, not they, saying you lost, that the, you lose thirty-four to thirty-three. You didn't lose because of your offense. Let's just put that I'm, out there. Not saying that I'm not picking the Falcons anymore the rest of the year, but, <laughs> but I think you that can Super get some Bowl really, pick, really good odds on them in Vegas right now to win the Super Bowl. Uh, really good, like millions to one. So yeah, just put a dollar on it. You probably win two hundred grand. So for the Falcons' uh, chances this year of winning it all, and apparently for even making the playoffs, a moment of silence for the Atlanta Falcons. That's even also more for Dan Quinn. for you because you had them as your Super Bowl team <sighs> in the NFC. Uh, which only leaves you your AFC team, which is who remind us again was at the Chiefs. Uh, it's the guy, it was the team that has their quarterback who just had his kneecap rearranged, yep. Yeah, it just rolled around to the other side of his leg. It's all right. It happens all the time. Um, they popped it back Boy, in. I, I got to say, I'm feeling I, – I mean, that Jaguars-Packers um, looks a lot better right now. At least at least the Jaguars aren't dead. They have been Shumania, mm. but they're not in good shape either. No, no, they're not. Uh, but, Packers, but, who knows? They, but they, we're not playing that guy, for the – quarterback didn't do anything. <laughs> I told you if they could play, if they could go from giving up 30 a game to 20 a game, they had a chance. And if the refs are in their pocket, Jesus. Oh. Unstoppable. Got the, got the, the thing out of the, uh, the twin refs pocket. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> yeah, they're just trying to line up. They're just trying to line up Brady versus Rodgers before they both ride off into the sunset here. Hmm. Give us, give <laughs> us the... <laughs> I bet. Yes, it really did. It's all about the night. money. <laughs> Always. Yeah. So Atlanta's uh, Atlanta's toast. Uh, they go on the road and lose in Carolina. I mean, Atlanta against uh, Arizona against a team that's just absolute hot garbage and can't and play. Poor a Matt Bryant too. He he looked like he died on the field after that uh, PAC that he hooked. He might as well just retire after unretiring. Yeah. <laughs> I think he did kind of retire. <laughs> whether he knew yeah. whether he knew it or not, I think he did. Um, so the game, of course, I have to talk the most shit about that I got on you is is the the the, the twenty percenter as it will be known. You can't talk uh, shit. It's still Kirk Cousins. <laughs> I mean, you can give it a try. Uh, the white mouse did not the white mouse did not explode. 
but that was it's, it's come on, it's Kirk you, Cousins. You, you, uh, I, I understand, but you you talked about the twenty percent as if it was zero percent. It's it's still twenty percent. It's still <laughs> one in five. That's that's a pretty healthy percentage. If you are a top tier eighty four million dollar quarterback, you should not carry essentially what amounts to a one in four record every five games you play against winning teams. You shouldn't. I agree with that. I concur. Uh, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a zero sum chance, that's for sure. So the Vikings knock off the Eagles. Uh, it, it's something about uh, when you have to apologize to a receiver when a receiver blows up in the media because it was Adam Thielen the week before and Kirk Cousins made him whole, and then it was Stephon Diggs and Kirk Cousins really made him whole against the Eagles. So that's the motivating factor apparently is, is when you have a receiver that's all. So we need uh, the Vikings need to just manufacture drama. They need to have. Uh, Kyle Rudolph get pissed off and, and cut a promo on Kirk Cousins now so they can have him get fired up for the next game. They need to uh, get Laquan Treadwell out there and get him mad and talk about that he never got a fair shot. I think they got oh, okay. him back now. Okay. Uh, so they need to get him all fired. They need to just find drama and manufacture drama because apparently that's the only way to get Kirk Cousins to, to play like anything better than shit. Also, Zach okay. Brown for the uh, for the Eagles, uh, the, he can go kick rocks as well. He's the one that said that <laughs> you want to have Kirk Cousins play quarterback. That's the weak leak on the team. And, and uh, he... it also <laughs> helps when you your secondary is a match trash. And what yeah. did I say was the main reason I was picking the Vikings? Was yeah, the that wasn't so. The, yes, you were. So we'll have to go on record here that that was not as much of a pro Kirk Cousins pick as that, that was a the Eagles are not matching up well here, pick. The Eagles are missing their top five cornerbacks, pick, yes. <laughs> yes, they they could not handle anything that the Minnesota offense was throwing at them. Now, if Philadelphia was, was whole on the back end, maybe that's a different story. Yes, that's certainly. So we give um, Kirk Cousins a win against a winning team with an asterisk. It still counts. I'll still take the win. You can still take uh, that one. Uh, I didn't get. I only got two games over you last week. Uh, my other one being the Houston Texans. Uh, and one, you know, when I when I see them, I see them with clarity. Um, <laughs> and I, I I really liked that one. And that one that one came home in a big way. Um, boy, that Deshaun Watson is really good. He's not bad. I'll just um, I'll just leave that. I'll just let that hang out there, man. That kid is really <laughs> good, and I said that the Houston offensive line had started playing better, and that Kansas City wasn't going to get after this kid. And oh my God, zero sacks of Deshaun Watson by the Kansas City Chiefs, which just makes what happened on Thursday night all <laughs> the more stunning. That you go from zero sacks against a team that can't protect its quarterback to nine in five I, days. I, I, I don't know what special elixir they took in between those those games. Those, that was a hell of a three day turnaround. Yeah, um, uh, that I more well. Yeah, I don't know what's more impressive that they couldn't sack Deshaun Watson once, or that they got nine against Joe Flacco. Uh, but no, Deshaun Watson just shredded them, and no, no fear on that kid. He can go on the road. We've seen him go into Foxborough and play toe to toe with Brady. We've seen him go into Seattle and go toe to toe with 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 Russell Wilson and he had no problem going to Arrowhead. There is nothing that shakes this kid. And boy, Houston's really good. The injury to Mahomes three days later overshadows what he tried to do in this game with a beat up hurt ankle yeah, in, in a game against ankle, the yeah. Texans. 
which is he hung in there for a long time. He was clearly getting the ball out very quickly to avoid trying to move and, and run around. Yeah. And He looked and, a lot like Rodgers did last year after he came back from the, well, what we assumed was a blown out knee. <laughs> Um, great cop, but basically yeah. it yeah just don't let the let just get the ball out before the rush could even sniff you exactly what he was doing um and, and the touchdown that he put him back put the chiefs back in the lead against the texans in the third quarter was uh the rush was getting to mahomes and he like gingerly steps through them like he was trying to step over some broken glass or something um and and got tyree Hill a touchdown uh, so he was trying to compete out there with Watson, but he was clearly beat up. It was clearly, uh, as I kind of called it, even though I picked the, the Chiefs, I said that Mahomes coming in with the bad ankle sort of made it a handicap to where he and, and Watson were now playing on uh, on even ground because Mahomes fully healthy. I don't think athletically anybody can, can match him right now when you talk about legs and arm combination in the, in, in the NFL. There's nobody uh, with the combination – that Pat Mahomes has, but he's not whole clearly with that ankle. And it just got worse and worse as the game went on and, and he couldn't hang in there uh, with Deshaun Watson, but he gave it a hell of an effort. Yeah, no, but great game. Uh, probably one of the yeah. best games that we've had this year. Um, we haven't had a lot of, we haven't had a lot of epic matchups or epic games or games that haven't been tainted by some kind of officiating fiasco or, um, I'd have to say through six weeks that might be that might be up there with one of the best games we've had this year, and a and possible playoff preview. It really influenced my uh, pick on Thursday night because the Kansas City defense couldn't do anything with Deshaun Watson. Uh, <laughs> and Mahomes trying to trying to lead that <laughs> comeback. That recency bias for you. It was uh, because Kansas City uh, they they had a three and out after Houston took the lead in the fourth quarter. And they never saw the football again because Houston just kept it. And, and uh, Duke Hopkins breaking tackles to get first downs. Deshaun Watson breaking tackles and scrambling for first downs. On fourth down, they uh, just wrap it up with a completion to Duke Hopkins instead of uh, trying to kick yeah. a field goal, give the ball back. They just said, you know what? No, we'll just keep it and, and get the first down on you and take a knee and, and see you. Uh, so, yeah, it was, it was not a good performance at all by the Chiefs defense uh, in, in support of their hurt quarterback and yeah I don't know if that's Andy Reid coaching or what but they turned it around in three days and said we are not going to have this happen again so uh, uh, good on them yeah uh, so any anything else uh, any other games stand out to you um, there was one uh, call that you had in the in the previous show about uh, one of the games last weekend you said that if the uh, the, the San Diego Clippers if they oh couldn't handle something named Devlin Hodges, a quarterback, oh, then oh my God. You, you basically were calling for a cancel culture uh, on the, on the, uh, on the Clippers, that there's no reason for them to exist. And then the next morning after uh, the great duck caller, uh, Devlin Hodges, by the way, have you heard that Devlin Hodges is a champion duck caller? Uh, did they mention that enough times on the did I, I, I dropped on something NBC? on you. Did I, did I, I think I texted you something about that game too. Yeah. Cause it was, Obnoxious! It was ridiculous the, how much the, the filleting that yeah. was going on by that crew. It was very, very obnoxious the way they kept was, propping this kid up being a, a duck caller or whatever. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, oh you... wait, here it was. Oh, <laughs> I forget who the player was, but I here's the text I sent you midway through that game. Apparently, 
apparently, oh my God, I can hardly read it because I got to turn up the brightness on my phone because I'm sitting in the dark here. Apparently, beating cancer makes your opponent shitty tacklers too. <laughs> oh I, God! I, I, was, I believe um, that was in reference to James Conner. Yes. Because that was Collinsworth, I think. Because oh my God, worst crew and but I, I can't. <laughs> I think Buck and Aikman are better than them. Um, Chris Collinsworth just completely filleting James Conner. Oh, if you can break, if you can beat cancer, you can break some tackles or something like that. Or you could, oh my God. And you're just watching the, the, the quote unquote tackles that James Conner is running through apparently. So beating cancer just turns your opponents into terrible tacklers. Yes. But completely. we saw this last year with James Conner. He, he give him wait, wait till about week 12 and see what kind of a guy he is. Cause he ghosted last year. Yeah. In he, the, last four or five games of the year, but man, the, the, the Clippers are, that's <laughs> well, bad. The funniest, the funniest part about it is, uh, is that you were calling basically for them to be canceled. Like you said, there's no use for the Clippers if they can't beat the Steelers in this state. And then the next day after that terrible loss to the Steelers, dead spins, uh, column i forget what exactly what the headline was but something along the lines of there's no need for the la clippers anymore or the la chargers uh so they were right there with you to, to, yeah send them back to san the diego they're terrible send, right send them back uh, to san diego la doesn't want them they never have so man I, i'm i'm with all of you guys i i, I got no use for the chargers either and, I, and it really hurts because i picked them to make the playoffs again because i was really impressed with how they pulled together last year and overcame uh, yeah. the, all their drama and, and everything going on. And it, it's still, you know, it's not, the season isn't over. We're not even halfway no. through yet, but the uh, they're not pulling together. Just go on some runs. Yeah. Uh, but they're not pulling together right now. That's for sure. Uh, so yeah, any, uh, any opinions of, of Duck Hodges, uh, despite the, uh, besides the fact that it's obnoxious to talk about how much of a champion duck caller he is. No, I mean, from what I saw, <laughs> that game was basically that the Chargers played zero defense. <sighs> I mean, the, no. the the Steelers' offense was was so boring and bland and vanilla. I mean, you can think of any you know milk toast. Think of any word that you want to to describe a boring offense for a rookie quarterback, basically third string quarterback starting his first game, and that's what they ran out there. And the Chargers had, they had nothing for it. They'd like, they they were acting like they'd never seen these plays before. Yeah, that it was. I don't know what they thought was going to happen with this kid. Uh, that I don't. Know, they were looking for a, a long downfield bombs or something. I don't. I don't know. But yeah, you're right. They look like they no, never had any idea all of this was around. Yeah. yeah, they just yeah. pushed them around. They just came in and said, you know, plus it doesn't help that all the fans were Steelers fans in the stands. <laughs> But that, but that they just, they should be used to because that stadium is always full that didn't, of uh, that, the visiting. Right, but that didn't happen in San Diego. They actually had a no. fan base. Yes, because it's San Diego where they belong. They don't so this, belong yeah. in L.A. Nobody wants this them ex- in L.A. This experiment needs to die a horrible death. And the charge, the L.A. isn't a two. It's not a football town to begin with. They, I don't think yeah. they need either. I don't know if the NFL was so desperate to get into that market. People in L.A. were going to watch football. I don't know why you were so desperate to get into this L.A. markets. Uh, nobody, you know, they, they, the NFL was the biggest sport in the world and the biggest money maker that we'd seen, and they were doing it without one team in L.A. and people were perfectly happy. And then they then they crammed two in there. They they crammed the Clippers into this freaking soccer stadium 
and just absolute joke. And yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if two years from now they're back in San Diego with a new stadium or a deal. You know, it's gonna be uh, a, it's gonna be a long time before they. I know there's a lot of animosity now, there, but. Well, they got the new stadium being built that's going to have play teams, so that that's going to be there for a while. They're they're that's building that have thing. Flames? Huh? Did you say it's going to have flames? No, I said it's going to oh, be there a while. Ah, okay. But is it each team getting a stadium, or is that going to be a no. multi-use? It's going to be one of those. I think uh, the the guy from the from St. Louis, Cronky, I think he's building it, and it's going to okay. be for both for both teams. Um and so and it's going to be like the most expensive. I think it's going to be more expensive than Jerry World. I might be wrong about that. Wow. But it's going it, to, yeah. It's, they they wanted like a, a sports complex. They want like hotels and uh, they they want the whole nine yards for this thing. And it's gonna it, it's in the works and it's going to be built and it's going to happen. And when it does, the Chargers going to draw like fifteen thousand fans per game, and the Rams are going right. to draw probably fans, thirty thousand. But, but, but the fans from the other teams will be able to score a lot of tickets all the tickets that they want. They can yeah. absolutely fill the stadium if they want to. So a funny um, story is uh, one of my coworkers is actually taking the trip down to Kansas City next weekend for the Packers-Chiefs game in Arrowhead. Might have bought those tickets a little too prematurely. Because <laughs> my feeling is those tickets may be half price right now. You go on StubHub yeah. and I don't think the Aaron Rodgers-Matt Moore matchup is anywhere as scintillating as Rodgers-Mahomes. Not quite as sexy, no. Well, how do you know? Yeah. You, you, you know, when you yeah, who knows? buy those hey, tickets, Moore, you never knew. Matt Moore played good in limited action against the Broncos. What's he going to do with a week of practice? Um, you want to take some bets on that? Uh, I, I'm no. going under 300 yards. I'll, I'll take that bet with anybody. <laughs> <laughs> We've seen guys who come in in that adrenaline rush spur of the moment and, and overplay expectations. And then once you actually have to game plan, yeah, we've, we've seen that, right? Yes, we've seen it many times over the years. It's a, definitely a different story. So um, I wanted to uh, definitely acknowledge my greatest call of last week, which wasn't a point spread. It was what I kept telling you throughout the entire show, smash the Denver, Tennessee under. Yes. Kill it, kill it, kill it. We love and, we love Titan unders and and Bills unders and the Bills were off last week, right? Um, so, but and, yeah, and no, the, that and, and that came that definitely came home. Uh, obviously, I lost the pick having the Titans who just did, didn't show up and got their quarterback benched. So it's the the end of but the Marcus Mariota was, era. Do, but I do believe we had that one, or I know I had that one. When we said that how long are they going to roll with? Marcus Mariota, as long as that there is a serviceable NFL backup, which has starting pedigree. Um, and I believe that Ryan Tannehill is getting the start this week. He sure is. So, so we, uh, we may be near the end of the Marcus Mariota era in Tennessee. We'll see. I mean, Tannehill's Tannehill's just one play away from, you know, knocked out for the year. This is Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> and how much of a upgrade is he really over Marcus Mariota? Um, the biggest story out of that game was the uh, question was the Broncos defense back to terrorizing quarterbacks or was the Tennessee pass protection that bad? And Thursday night, I believe gave us the answer to that question. That was just Tennessee was that bad. Tennessee was that bad. Yes. 
no, I, I completely agree with that. Um, speaking of quarterbacks from that draft class that maybe should be benched, uh, of course, last Sunday morning started with Jameis Winston over in England. And oh, boy. that was an all-timer. Five picks and a fumble. Yeah, and and that was still a close game. Well, he, he tried. <laughs> he, 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 uh, you know, there's only so much you can do to uh, to Kyle Allen and the and the Carolina Panthers, uh, but he he gave them every opportunity to win that game, and they finally did. But uh, man, that's just he's going to be famous. All right. They, they called him famous Jameis when he came out of school and he's going to be famous for presenting the ball, to the other team at all times. And that's uh, going to make him very famous or, or maybe infamous someday. Just saying. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, I don't know if he's there yet. Um, Cause he's, he's had got a way to go though. Up until that game, he had played a three or four gram stretch there, which was, was really good. And he was putting up big numbers, and he was, you know, obviously working within this Bruce Arians offense, and Arians was coaching him up. And but that performance against Carolina, whoo that was that was something else. Yeah, even within those good games that he was putting together, you still had every now and then the the interception right to the other team, where you go, what? Yeah. Why yeah. did you a little do careless, that? A little careless with the football there, Javis. And then in this game, he just kept doing it over and over again all over the field. So we both lost that one. Um, you know, uh, anything else stand out from, from last weekend? Uh, the 49ers are kicking everyone's ass. Jimmy G, uh, he's not even we, in top four yet. We had yet. that one. We did, we did have that one. And going into L.A., um, who then felt the need to get rid of Marcus Peters and replace him with Jalen, wait, I feel better, Ramsey. <laughs> His, you mean his, his back injury isn't going to hold him his, out tomorrow? Oh man, was that? I I don't think I was the first person to say that on Twitter, judging by the reactions. But I said it. No, but about his back that was legit. Yeah, yeah. What about <laughs> nope? You know, and if there was anything wrong with his back, you do not start him off with his season against Julio Jones. I don't know if that's the best move, but that's who he draws. There's never this week. anything wrong with. Welcome his back, Jalen. Go cover Julio. There was never and never. No. Never anything wrong with his back. Uh, you know, I can't see intent. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can't see the x-rays. We can't see the uh, the MRI. So, no, we don't really know yeah. for sure if there was anything wrong with his back. So there may well have been was, something wrong I with have, his I have yet seen a situation in the NFL where a guy does this, because this is a relatively new phenomenon with the guy forcing his way out of town and into another. Have we seen one of these turn out well yet? Just, just asking. Asking for a friend. Uh, I mean, we could go back to the '80s and and go back to Elway forcing his way out of India. That turned well, out okay. Yeah, for but that him. was in the draft, or like Eli Manning, or any of the that yeah. type of stuff. But that was that was that was you know that wasn't like mid season or you know, that guys trying to do the machinations onto other teams and basically El- Elway didn't like pretend to be a nut job or make up phony injury <laughs> or pretend or get his feet flash frozen. Didn't call his GM a cracker. Hey, everyone has different methods. I guess. I guess. (laughs) But we'll see how this one goes for Jalen Ramsey. I wish him well. Uh, Have fun covering Julio Jones in Atlanta. Yeah, on on the other side of of San Fran's ass-kicking is those Rams who uh, 
everyone was giving props to the, the Niners defensive coordinator, Robert Sala, who was going crazy on the sideline for all those plays that they were making. Look, the Rams blocking stinks. Okay. This is, I'm not trying to say the Ram the, the 49ers are, are frauds or, or not deserving of praise, but for the love of God, let's, let's slow it down a little bit. That though, uh, Jared Goff had no time to do anything. He, what did he throw for 78 yards in that game? Uh, I don't think he got that it was bad all time. that quick. It was, it was, it was something that hadn't been done in a long time. It was a very low number of yards. So I, I don't think he's quite that bad that quickly. Uh, I think that's some bad protection that's going on there in LA. That th- there's a lot of bad protection in the league right now. And I mean, uh, worse than normal. Cause there's some teams that are just uh, not blocking anybody. Like you can just watch from play one of a game and you can say, Oh, that line is terrible. Cause those players are going right around them easily every play. Um, and I think the Rams are, are one of those lines, unfortunately. And that, you know, we were talk, we were talking about the Niners maybe having a little paper champion in them because they hadn't played anybody yet, and then they put up that performance in L.A. against a, an allegedly good offense. Uh, well, man. yeah, Boy, but I, I, I'm I, I'm still I on the, almost on the paper champion side of, because again, I'm when I'm looking at that those highlights, I didn't watch the whole game, but I'm not seeing a necessarily a, a, a great great. Uh, defense is going to run roughshod over the entire league. I saw some really terrible attempts at protecting uh, Jared Goff, and, and when you can't protect your quarterback, you can't do anything on offense. Yeah, and, and the point, and looking deeper into the schedule here, it's a while before the Niners really get um, majorly tested. So they, 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 you know, playing at Washington this week, I don't believe qualifies as majorly tested, but we'll see. I think that's the opposite of majorly tested. It's just my just my opinion. The three, the three out. Yeah, when you have that team with the three-headed monster of quarterback, if you've got three quarterbacks that you can start, you don't have any. <laughs> um, and about the last thing I had about last weekend was we briefly touched touched on it before, but um, then everyone leading up to uh, Sam Darnold finally getting his spleen uh, swollen or shrunken. And, and therefore able to take the field coming off of his uh, kissing disease situation. Um, everyone said the Jets offense is terrible as it's been with all those backup quarterbacks. It's different when Sam Darnold is in there. There's, and you brought it up even on the show. I even used the, the stat and then picked against yeah, it. The, the numbers are so much better with, with Sam Darnold yeah. in there. And after seeing Sam Darnold make the New York Jets passing offense actually yeah. look like something that, that you would want to uh, actually watch, which the Jets had not looked like since he sat down. Uh, there's only one thing you can say. Sam Darnold making the Jets look different when he comes back. Boy, howdy. Boy, howdy. Did they yeah. look different? The Cowboys didn't see that coming at all. No. That, that dime he dropped on Robbie Anderson for that 95-yard touchdown was that. Uh, I, I don't know who they were starting. That was Geno Smith wasn't doing that. Oh God, Geno Smith. <laughs> Geno no. side going on there. Tony <laughs> uh, Falk or Peter Falk, whoever that, that quarterback. <laughs> the Geno side. Geno side is one of the best terms <laughs> that you could ever come up with. <laughs> and I wait until his career is basically over. If we see him on the field again, I'm using that. I'm gonna I'm going to trademark that shit like Pat Riley in the three-peat. Oh, fuck, I owe Pat Riley money. <laughs> Uh-oh, you said it. You got to put something in the tip jar. 
Uh, That's right. Geno Smith, he's not homicidal. He's not suicidal. Yeah. He's genocidal. Hey, hey! That That yeah. is... That's good. Only here at IMLD, folks, are we going to make a joke about genocide. Uh, you you got a joke. It's even better. <laughs> got a lab to keep from crying sometimes. Uh, so anything else about week six or is it time to get into week seven? Uh, no, I mean, we have a little bit of an abridged week here. Uh, we'll still find a way to, you know, last, I believe last show, we actually had time left over after the picks, which was, it might be a first here at IMLD. Uh, but was it, it last it, week or the week before? It was, it was a week. Uh, yeah, it might have been the show before I went on vacation, where we went through yeah. all the picks and actually had like breathing room at, for the last few picks, where we actually had time to. I think you actually caught yourself uh, filling time because we had so much time left at the end of one of those picks. I wasn't used to it. Yeah, like what do we do yeah. with extra time? We have to fill it. Um, no, I mean th- this is a varied week. Uh, it's a very weird week. And uh, I, I know you said uh, right before we went to air uh, about the difficulty that you had in making some of these picks. Um, I struggled mightily with finding a, a lock this week. So, yeah, I, I've, I've had issues with this week of uh, picks, but we'll see. I want to throw in one last shot from last week of the referees. It's the, about the only thing oh. that I didn't talk about. Yeah, one of the picks Give that I won over you. One of the picks that I won over you was a clearly much better Ravens team uh, beating the Cincinnati Bengals, but I took Cincinnati in the points. And the reason the Bengals cover was thanks to a terrible roughing the passer call on Pernell McPhee uh, on the drive that the Bengals scored the garbage time touchdown to cover yeah. the spread. So. Uh, piling on the referees, even though they, it actually worked out for me on, on that particular pick. Yeah, the Ravens but, had come all the way back to uh, get that cover, and I saw yeah. that the Bengals scored a garbage time touchdown. Didn't know the circumstances of it, but thanks, that makes me feel much better. Terrible, terrible. And uh, beauty of it here as we enter the, the rest of week seven was I had been two games up on you for the season. You picked up three games on me last week, and then on Thursday night I get one back. So here we are, dead even, uh, heading into the bulk of week seven. So you went five and nine in week six. I went eight Ugh. and six. And at that moment, it had put me uh, at 42-49 and one. You were at 41-50 and one. Uh, but as you just mentioned, you had Kansas City on Thursday night, and I had Denver, which makes us even at this moment as we speak. Uh, at this late stage of the season, week seven, uh, not half again, not halfway through, but it's it's moving along, and uh, I, I got this feeling that we're going to be like this all year. I don't see either one of us running away from the other this year because there's just too many variables, there's too many uh, kid quarterbacks, too many substitute quarterbacks, there's too many uh, players that are hurt and teams that are affected, and. I don't see how one of us can see things much clearer than the other with, with everything so murky in my opinion right now. Yeah. It's been a very uh, uneven year and we've sort of traded good weeks and bad weeks. Um, Last, you know, you basically, I had the week last week that you had the week that I was in New Mexico. Um, So we sort of flip flop those weeks where, well, each of us got three over the other. And then by virtue of me beating you on Thursday night, which is the first time I believe I've started off a week one and oh against you this year. Um, (laughs) Here we are dead even 
this late into the season to be in this much of a dead heat hasn't happened in a while. Yeah, again, with your MVP quarterback going down and the score going the other way. I, yeah. Well, I didn't make the – I made the pick before the game. I didn't make the pick when Mahomes – but, like, you know, I couldn't be like – I couldn't change my pick at that point. But, oh, wait, Mahomes just – you know, he just fell out of his leg. I'm changing my pick. Um, I'm calling him your MVP quarterback because you picked him. So, I'm, I'm totally putting that all on you. Uh, <laughs> That's if, all on me. As if you're the biggest fan of his. I'm, I'm trying to assign He's, the blame yeah. to you. I, I like Patrick Mahomes. I think he's a he's a singular talent. But uh, Joe Flacco was the drizzling shits. I believe <laughs> that's your term. And Troy Aikman wouldn't let you forget it. He it, it, when it's right in front of you, when it's so obvious, I guess you just have to call it out. Maybe Troy was inspired by uh, Booger McFarlane in the boot. Maybe Troy was like, <laughs> "Hey, you know what? I got way more years experience than Booger. Yeah. I can actually call it the way I see it. I got but job, I, 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 got was, job I was I was." I was laughing out loud. I was literally <laughs> on my couch alone, laughing so loud. I was hoping my kids couldn't hear me at how bad Aikman was just giving Flacco the business. Um, so, yeah, that's a good one-two combo for the two primetime games from Monday night to Thursday night. So three days apart, we get two color commentators just completely destroying both the referees and a, and a starting quarterback for another team. That That's and the also- state of this league right now. Just made me think about also, I think this is also maybe a little bit of Troy Aikman getting uh, to be uh, the, the Clint Eastwood uh, in his old age. I, I think he's getting to where he's not taking any shit from anybody, period, because it just reminded me that Troy Aikman has had a couple of Twitter outbursts, believe it or not, uh, in the last couple of months that, that got him retweeted uh, an awful lot. He's he's not having it. Troy Aikman ain't having it from anybody right now. So uh, he's turning into a crotchety old man, and, and I'm here for it. I'm here for all of it. Uh, so, yeah, week seven coming up starting uh, Thursday night and continuing tomorrow. We're not going to run uh, sh- uh, short on time. We're not going to have any uh, time left over this time because I've had so much trouble trying to figure out some of these games. I had to talk myself through a lot of them, and I'm probably going to talk myself through uh, making my pick right now just to try to reconfirm why I'm doing it because otherwise I'm not going to know why I picked some of these games because I was up in the air with about five or six of them. Um, so, yeah, warning, I'm going to be doing a lot of uh, out loud thinking and trying to figure out some of these picks, even though I've got them written down. So get ready for all of that. Our picks for the rest of Week 7 coming up after I tell you about blogtalkradio.com slash in much less detail. That is our web show page. That's where you listen to the show live. To listen as a podcast, you can go to Apple Podcasts, iTunes, uh, TuneIn, MixCloud, many other different podcasting apps. You can subscribe to the show. Just search for In Much Less Detail, the podcast, and hit that subscribe button. And when the show is finished recording, it will come to you. Uh, you can communicate with us via email. You would send any email to this email address, InMuchLessDetail at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at IMLDDre. You can follow Jason at IMLDJTG. And you can follow our picks on our football blog, which is inmuchlessdetail.blogspot.com. Those picks will be up after this show is over. Here are our picks for the show as we get ready to pick the week seven, the rest of week seven in the NFL. Uh, Sticking to our format that we've been doing for this whole year, just going straight down the list and not going with any highlight games. 
We'll start with the Rams and the Falcons. Uh, boy, these two franchises. Uh, the Rams are now three and three and looking like they're a sinking ship after last week. The Falcons are one and five and they look sunk completely at the bottom of the ocean. Uh, the Rams, uh, looking a little better than the Falcons, are the favorite on the road. L.A. gets, uh, I'm sorry, gives three points at Atlanta. Not to say I give away my pick a little bit earlier, but I'm, I'm going to go with Atlanta here. I'm, I'm going to stick with Atlanta to win this game at home. I think Matt Ryan, we know he's a different quarterback at home. I, that Rams offense, there's something wrong with it. I know Atlanta's defense could be the cure-all for just about everybody because they're pretty damn close to DFL in every defensive category. Uh, love the over here. Uh, this definitely feels like a high-scoring game, but th- this whole Jalen Ramsey situation just kind of reeks as one of those, you know, jump-the-shark kind of moments for a Rams team that thinks that they're curing all their ills by, you know, jettisoning, jettisoning Marcus Peters and replacing him with Jalen Ramsey. And, oh, hey, everything's going to be fine now, guys, and we're just going to be a completely new Rams team, and we're going to ride this all the way back to the Super Bowl. I don't necessarily see it going that way. I think the Falcons, they still have pride. Um, their defense is bad, but I think this feels like one of those games where Matt Ryan goes out there and just completely shreds them. And I could see him and Julio Jones hooking up and uh, welcoming Jalen Ramsey back to uh, football after taking a few weeks off. We had what birth of a child and bad back and who knows what canker source, who knows what else he had. Um, he had the flu. You know, bunions. I mean, yeah. come up with everything before it was all said and done. So I'm going to take Atlanta in a high scoring game to win. And uh, basically, well, they're going to have to cover the three because they're a home dog here. So I'm going to take the Falcons and the points at home um, against the Rams. And I'm, I'm not too sold on the Rams right now. There's that Super Bowl losers curse thing going on right now. You know, the Falcons went through that a couple of years ago. Yes, they did. Um, this is part of the uh, No Sun Sunday. I was... Uh, looking at all the weather forecasts and like there's going to hardly be any sun at all uh, tomorrow. It's just everywhere in the country is just cloudy and overcast and bleh. Uh, it's going to rain in some spots, but not uh, too many, but it's just going to be, it's going to be a Jason special tomorrow because uh, you're a vampire. You hate the sun. I don't know why, but um, and so you should love the, the action tomorrow because it's hardly going to be any sun anywhere. This of course is in a dome. So that's uh, always going to be a sunless game there. But anyway, um, you're talking about the Rams uh, not looking like somebody that you want to back. Um, and the Falcons, of course, not looking like someone you want to back. So this was one that I kind of struggled with. Um, I do tend to lean on the injury reports uh, when I have a game, when I'm uh, kind of figuring out which team that I want. And the Rams are beat up as hell right now. Uh, the Falcons, of course, are – uh, all kinds of defensive injuries that have them playing some of the worst football you could imagine on defense, but the Rams are uh, almost equally beat up. Uh, we know about Todd Gurley being hurt. He's supposed to play tomorrow. Malcolm Brown, the other running back, is supposed to not play, so it's sort of switching off there. But defensively is where they really get uh, gashed. Uh, once again, no uh, Clay Matthews, who had been effective for them earlier. Um, they've got the all the secondary situations and and injuries. Uh, There's only one Los Angeles Rams defensive back returning tomorrow that played uh, that started last week. And it's Eric Weddle. Everyone else is either traded or hurt. Uh, An entirely new secondary 
for the Rams uh, starting tomorrow, uh, except for Weddle. Uh, yeah, Jalen Ramsey's back's feeling better, so he'll be out there, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, I don't really trust a, a Rams defense against what Matty Ice and the Falcons can do uh, when they're trying to put a whole new secondary together on the fly uh, against Julio Jones and the Falcons. For all the uh, problems that the Falcons are having, they're still the number two passing offense in football. So you're talking about number two passing offense in football at home on a dome on the fast track against a secondary that's completely replacing everyone except for one guy. Not only am I taking the Falcons, but as an ode oh, to oh. one last time, one last time as an ode my Super Bowl pick and one last showing of good faith before they completely go away and get the coach fired. I'll lock up the Falcons and, and bid them adieu. Wow. Okay. Last piece of love for them. Uh, no love for the Dolphins, although they covered for you last week, so maybe you'll have some love for them. But they the, sure uh, the, old, the 0-6 Miami Dolphins and the 4-1 and Buffalo Bills coming off the bye. Um, somebody get out uh, some sort of football uh, history thesaurus, or not thesaurus, but uh, some sort of encyclopedia, and look up if this is the biggest spread ever for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, this is how bad the Dolphins are. They're 17-point dogs at Buffalo. You're telling me all those Marv Levy, Jim Kelly teams couldn't have been a 17-point favorite against somebody during that whole run? I'm wondering. I I guess I could have imagined it. This was a really, really bad team, but I'm wondering. Last last week I said I just couldn't quit the Miami Dolphins, and I still just can't quit the Miami oh. Dolphins because we have a saying here at IMLD. <laughs> you can't cover 17 if you can't score 17. And I don't know if the Buffalo Bills could score. Have they shown me that they could score 17 points? I mean – that's a lot. I mean, you got to figure even if they get into the low 20s, Miami can get some fluky, like the Jets did a few weeks ago against the Patriots to blow up the big number. They they get a couple of field goals. They clearly haven't quit. They're 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 out, they're out there and they're trying. I know the Bills are rested. I know they're the best defense. They might be the best defense in football. They're up there because um, they've at least played people. They're not like the Niners or the Patriots where they basically played nobody. The Bills have actually played NFL competition. Um, and, and hung in tough. We're basically the only team that really made the Patriots sweat so far this year. So the bills are really good, but I don't know. We, we worried about a team. I forget who the team was that we didn't trust a few weeks ago as the, oh, it's the Cowboys, same situation who we didn't trust as the big favorite. And they mm. ended up basically with about four or five minutes left to go in that game. Finally getting the cover. I could very easily see the bills winning this game, 14, nothing or 13, nothing. And just, and then just, you know, punch the clock, go to work, get it done, go home. Um, they, they don't win games in blowouts. They're, 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 they're the winning ugly bills. They're doing what the Titans were doing. They, they're going to find a way to win this game on the last possession or keep it close into the fourth quarter because it, sometimes this is what you get with these teams when they're young and up and coming is they play the level of their competition. So I'm taking all those points. This one I did not have to struggle with. Um, you are correct in in saying that the Bills offense is one that you would look at and not think that they can uh, put up a whole bunch of points and and cover a big spread like that and I'm saying they're not going to have to 
you brought up how great that defense is, and not only is the defense great, not only are they playing against a shit team. You can't have two locks, just so you know. I'm just letting you know, you cannot have two locks in one week. I can't double the, the lock and, and no. give up one of the other weeks? <laughs> great defense, coming off a bye, and the coup de grace for this one is Miami throwing in there a quarterback known for giving the ball away. Turnover, Bernie Sanders is in the oh, hizzy. Oh, man. Let's go. So I'm taking Buffalo, and I'm giving all those points, and I'm man. saying probably two touchdowns will be scored 38 by the nothing defense. now? Is that what we're calling here? Right, 31, 38. Scores? Oh, my God. Exactly. That's exactly if what I, I see. see uh... If I see the box score on this and Micah Hyde's <laughs> got like two pick sixes, I'm going to curse you all the way from here. <laughs> Don't curse me, curse Brian Flores for putting turnover Bernie Sanders in against <sighs> one of the best defenses in football. That's his call right there. Tell me that's not tanking doing that. It's magic. It's magic. Tell me that's not tanking, putting in a guy known for turnovers against a defense like that. Anyway, moving on, another game that we don't have to cover much, Jacksonville and Cincinnati, another uh, winless team. Oh, boy, those yeah. singles. Oh, uh, the the Jags they got that and Minshew, cover. yeah, they they did a backdoor cover. Yeah, Minshew Mania Jags at two and four are four point favorites on the road at the winless Owens Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, yes, at least this isn't a situation where a winless team is a home dog to another winless team. Uh, <laughs> with that being said, though, I'm still going to go ahead and take the Bengals on the points. The Bengals have competed. Uh, we they went up to Seattle and competed. They competed against the Ravens, although they got a cheap cover. Uh, they clearly have not quit yet. Uh, they're undermanned, but I don't know if Gardner Minshew and the Jacksonville Jaguars are in, on the road going to be significantly better here than the uh, Cincinnati Bengals. I would take the Jags to win. This feels like a field goal kind of game. So this is just a points play for me. I'm going to take the Bengals and the points as a, as a, that's a fairly sizable home dog situation right there to me. Uh, this is another one I did not have to talk through. This one, uh, because of how beat up the Bengals are, this uh, injury list is very impressive. A.J. Green, William Jackson, Drake Kirkpatrick, Carlos Dunlap, Carl Lawson, all out for the Bengals tomorrow. Uh, I see the Jaguars going into Cincinnati and steamrolling them. I understand they've been you can't competing. Lock this one up too. Uh, I can't have three locks. <laughs> for, a, for a week where you had like so little uh... – you know, I guess it's you later. Had so little confidence. Well, this must be coming later. I guess so, uh, but not this one. Yeah, um, the Bengals. I know they've sort of been competing, but they did not compete very much against the Ravens last week. They had that very cheap backdoor cover, and they've got some really bad peripheral numbers. That uh, that's the worst run defense in the league, and they're about to take on uh, Leonard Fournette and the Jaguars. I, I think that might get ugly in Cincinnati. Uh, on to Oakland and Green Bay, um, and the Ravens, or I'm sorry, the Raiders at three and two, very surprisingly with a winning record as they come back off the bye after that win in London against the Bears. Five and a half point underdogs at the five and one Green Bay Packers. Yeah, the Packers have followed up a uh, string of games here where they uh, lost to the Eagles, then they went to Dallas and destroyed them, and then had that weird. Monday night win that even Aaron Rodgers after the game in the post game news uh, in the post game interview right after the game said that didn't feel like a win. 
So even Aaron Rodgers knew. Aaron Rodgers knew that that was a gift. Um, the Raiders, in the meantime, played. They've been fairly stout. They've been improving as the season's gone on. I think their signature win right now would be that home win they had against the Bears that nobody really I saw coming, but nobody else saw coming. Um, especially when you had that as your lock of the week, I believe. That, sorry, um, but. Packers here going into a basically a section of their schedule with three straight AFC West games, um, a stretch here with the Raiders, the Chiefs, and the Chargers. Uh, feels like a bit of a letdown to me. I think the Raiders keep this close and uh, definitely stay within the four and a half, and that the Packers have to fight for this win, um, especially after the the big win, kind of pulling out all the stops in the game on Monday night, and I think that the uh, Charger, not the Chargers, the Raiders are going to be able to hit the Packers where the Lions could not, which is in that sort of that soft belly of that defense with the Pack. You can run on the Packers, and teams have shown that, and the the, the Raiders are one of the best rush teams in the league. You can definitely take the running game on the road with you no matter where you go. Uh, This feels like a game that the Packers are probably losing into the third quarter, maybe even fourth quarter, um, and are either not able to mount the comeback or end up winning it very late. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take the four and a half and the Raiders. Yeah. The Raiders have been competitive and competing and I still don't quite know how Um, this would seem to be, you're right that the Packers are not very good defending the run. And you're right that the Raiders are good running the football this year. Josh Jacobs looks like he's going to be a, a keeper there for them, but uh, this feels like one of those games where Murga kind of figures a way to not keep doing the the thing that they're good at, and uh, I can see them engage trying to engage it to a little a little bit of a shootout uh, between Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers is going to win that shootout. I don't care who the hell's on the field for the Packers, um, so I can see the Raiders coming out in the second half and and after the the game script and deciding to try to throw and and not go back to the run like they should and the Packers coming through uh, late in the game uh, with the, you know, you have to win by a lot. Uh, you can win by a touchdown and that'll cover. Um, I'm just so impressed uh, again, Monday night being overshadowed by the zebras, but in the middle of all that, some of those throws that Aaron Rodgers was making and some of those players that he was putting the ball right where they couldn't possibly do anything but catch it. Unless your name is, what was his name? Shepard. Um, yeah, the ball. Don't even know what his face. first name was. I'm surprised he wasn't cut after yeah, the, and he also muffed the punt. Right. Yeah. That was if, the kid if, who decided was... to try to catch a punt by jumping for a ball <laughs> that was like four feet over his head and kind of like set shotting, you know, that back to the. Oh man, yeah, just not a good day for Shepard. He he was trying to do like Kenny Williams, kid. Ooh, poor Kenny Williams Jr. Um, <laughs> Yeah, if Mike McCarthy was still there, he might have cut him the next day. Uh, but, but Roger just moves on and said, oh, I'll make some start out of somebody else. He's going to have to do it again tomorrow. Devontae Adams is not going to play. Geronimo Allison might play. Marquez Valdez-Scantling might play. Uh, there's a lot of maybes going on there. Uh, but obviously he'll just take whoever's there and, and put up 330 yards against the Raiders, no matter who's out there. So I will uh, I, I will take the uh, the Packers on that one. And in a big improvement over the last time the Packers played the Raiders, the the field won't be 80 yards long this time. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, that's always a good thing when you can play on a regulation field. That, that's always good. 
people best forget um, about that. That's got that's got Hall of Infamy <laughs> written all over it someday. That field up in Edmonton or wherever the hell they were playing. Yeah. Oh my they, God. And the goalpost on the field and going back to <laughs> 1960s ball. No, the field goals were still the extra ten yards. They they were making them kick it through the end zone. It was just, it was it was a joke. It was just a total joke. <laughs> you had to try to like redo all the yard lines in your head, and all the announcers kept doing it. Well, this is really the the thirty, but it's the forty. Oh my god! You know, between that and the the Mexico field, uh, did you can't play on? We would draw up on the playground. See that tree over there? That's the end zone. <laughs> and and that's uh. Kings of the Non Sequitur story that reminds me of when I I didn't know where the end zone was because we kind of drew it up in our head and you scored a touchdown and I didn't know you were in the end zone because I didn't know that was the end zone. So I go to tackle you and you get up and throw the ball off my head like what the fuck are you doing, dude? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like we're just, I'm tackling you. You're not you, you haven't scored yet. You're like yeah I have. It's the end zone right there. I said oh I, I, my bad. Uh, but anyway. Uh, Moving on, uh, here's a game that I definitely struggle with. It's that uh, NFC North matchup between the Vikings and the Lions. Lions so competitive, getting jobbed on Monday night. Uh, the Vikings so competitive, as long as you talk shit about a, a wide receiver and, and make Kirk Cousins play and, and apologize to him. So good luck trying to figure this one out. Uh, although I and, – and we can't even actually go to your corollary because the Lions technically, because of the referees, don't have a winning record. Uh-oh. So, with that in mind, <laughs> the 4-2 Vikings are still two-point favorites on the road at the 2-1 and one Detroit Lions. Right. And, yeah, but the Lions get completely hosed on Monday night in a, in you know, overshadowing. You know, Aaron Rodgers' performance overshadows that the refs hose the Lions, but overshadowing the fact that the Lions played a damn damn good football game. And, and Matthew Stafford continues to show that he is sort of one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the league. He doesn't really get talked about at that elite level as often as he should, even though we've highlighted on this show, after he got over the injury bug, we've highlighted on this show how Aaron, uh, how Matt Stafford, more than any other quarterback, has wide receivers that get the least amount of separation in the league. You never see Matthew Stafford throwing the ball to wide open guys. You see him putting the ball in the smallest of possible windows to make completions to keep drives going. It's very rare um, that he's throwing to mm-hmm. dudes who are just, you know, completely wide night. open. Well, on Monday night in that first quarter, uh, but those were, but those balls, the ball placement on those two bombs that he threw. Yeah, I mean, how right do you cover? There. You couldn't cover those. You could not cover those. It doesn't matter. It wouldn't have mattered if the guy was draped all over him. Um, if the defender was right there, those balls were so perfectly placed. I thought it was like, Oh man, this is our, our lion's pick is looking really good. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna take the Lions. I think they've been a sneaky tough out at home. They should have beaten the Chiefs. They should have beaten the Packers. Lions are clearly um, improving. Their defense has been solid. Matthew Stafford continues to be good. I think that the uh, nobody has trashed Kirk Cousins as far as I know in the media this week. That's on the Vikings squad. And <laughs> I think that their big sort of get right game against the Eagles. This would be a perfect spot for Kirk Cousins to go and lay a complete egg in the Motor City. And even over the years, no matter how good or how bad the Lions are, uh, one of those places to go play that doesn't get talked about enough as, you know, feeling a little trappish. So I can see, I, I don't know why the Vikings are favorites in this game. The Lions haven't shown me anything that says they should be underdogs. 
They should have beaten the Cardinals. That was, you know, week one shenanigans because, you know, it's week one's preseason week five now. And uh, Kyler Murray showing off for the home crowd gets hot late and forces that game into a tie. And then they should have had wins against the Packers. They should have had a win against the Chiefs. So this is a team that could easily have three more wins on its resume. Uh, and those are sometimes the scariest teams, the teams that are way better than what the record indicates. And I think the Lions are that team. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take the Lions as a home dog, which I, I don't get it. I think it's just the recency bias of the of the last game. I think uh, as bad as Kirk Cousins had been recently, if he doesn't come out and, and beat an impressive team uh, in the Eagles last week, then they're probably not favored here against the Lions. Uh, but because he showed up so well against Philadelphia and then you go against, against Detroit, I think you combine that with the Lions are always going to be sort of perennially under-respected because they're the Lions. Uh, and, hell, we weren't respecting them very much when the season began. So, uh, But they have been very uh, impressive and very competitive in, in all phases so far this year. So that's what made it really tough for me to try to figure this game out. You got two straight wide receiver apology games by Kirk Cousins. And how does he do now in this spot? And then how does uh, Detroit respond to the screwing of Monday night? Uh, so very difficult for me to figure out. And what pushed me over the edge was reading the uh, AP write-up for this uh, game in which they pointed out that the Lions uh, have four touchdowns this season in nine goal-to-go situations. Four out of nine is bad. And now you get to face the Minnesota Vikings defense and trying to figure out a way to get in the end zone. Good luck with that. Um, and they have a history already trying to figure out how to score touchdowns against the uh, Minnesota Vikings because in two games last year, they managed to score zero touchdowns. They had three field goals in both of their games against Minnesota last year. I will take the Vikings uh, and, and I'll go with that defense and trust them to once again, put Detroit uh, in their place. They always seem to have trouble uh, against the Vikings, and I'm going to pick them to continue to do that uh, tomorrow. On to the uh, Arizona Cardinals and New York Giants in the battle of rookie quarterbacks, Daniel Jones against Kyler Murray. The Giants at, uh, I'm sorry, the Cardinals at 2-3-1 and one are the underdogs. They are three-point cop-out dogs up at Giants Stadium against the 2-4 and four Giants. Yeah, it's one of the few uh, cheap cop-out lines of the week. I think we only have, for home team, one other one, maybe two, uh, depending on where the spread fell for you versus when I made the pick. Um, boy, I mean, the Giants, it's its almost the same story as it was the week before. I know they're not playing the New England Patriots, but that the majority of that New, New York offense is just, it's a mash unit. They, they can't field a team and Daniel Jones is not Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers makes playmakers out of Alan Lazard and, and random <laughs> dude. Uh, Daniel Jones needs his playmakers out there. Uh, I know we may be getting uh, Saquon Barkley's getting close, uh, maybe back for this game. How good he'll be. We don't know. Uh, Carol, Carol, uh, Cardinals get Patrick Peterson back to shore up the defense. Well, this thing smells like a whole lot of pushy to me. Uh, I think this thing can be close, a lot of back and forth, especially, you know, Kyler Murray can be electric. The Giants defense doesn't scare anybody. They're pretty bad uh, just by virtue of the weakness of the Giants defense and the mass unit of their offense. I'm going to take the Cardinals and be very, very, very not surprised if this is a uh, push for us. 
Yeah, David Johnson is a game-time decision tomorrow. He's got an ankle injury for Arizona. On the Giants side, you mentioned Saquon Barkley is supposed to come back. Uh, the tight end Evan Ingram is also supposed to come back. Those would both be big helps for uh, Daniel Jones. Um, so I don't have a whole lot of confidence in this pick either way. Uh, I can see both uh, teams putting up a, a, a decent effort because they have opposing bad defenses to deal with. But I guess I think Kyler Murray uh, will be a little more dynamic and electric, and he's shown he can put up some points against some really shit defense as well. Here's the New York Giants. Here's a really shit defense for you. So I will concur with you and take the Cardinals. Uh, the Houston Texans and the Indianapolis Colts in AFC South action. And the Texans, of course, impressing everybody right now. Four and two, Houston, they're still only – they're still an underdog. It's only one point, so it's like a pick em, But Houston plus one at the three and two Indianapolis Colts. I remember a game last year uh, where Houston went to Indy and coached themselves out of a game. <laughs> and in words of Indy and vice versa, but it was just a crazy game. And there always seems to be some kind of craziness in this matchup, um, especially when it's at Indy. It always feels like Houston and Indy, it doesn't quite go the way you expect. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take the Indy Colts here coming off the bye uh, to be well-rested, well-coached. Uh, they don't make a lot of mistakes. They don't shoot themselves in the foot. You don't. They don't turn the ball over. Jacoby Brissett's been playing very effective, and I'm looking at the Texans maybe having a little bit of a letdown after that big road win at Kansas City, uh, going into a tough divisional matchup. I can see Indy winning a a, a, a real gritty game here, kind of a grinded-out kind of game. And uh, Indy's defense, I believe they're getting Darius Leonard back this week. They're going to get a little bit more strength back into that middle of their defense and uh, maybe get after Deshaun Watson a little a little bit better than the Chiefs did and uh, make life a little bit more uncomfortable for them there in Indy. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take the Colts um, as that slight home favorite. Well, uh, one of those numbers that I was looking at for this game uh, is talking about Indy pressure specifically because I think that's a big key to the game is the Houston offensive line has been protecting Deshaun Watson much better lately. I think he's been sacked zero times the last two games. So it's on the Colts to to pressure him if they're going to have any chance in this game. And the Colts only have 13 sacks on the season through five games. Uh, So that made a huge influence in my pick. And another stat that made an influence was that the Colts are third from the bottom uh, in percentage of big pass plays on the season, only 22% of their passes go more than 15 yards downfield. And that's really not good at all. Now, T.Y. Hilton coming back from his uh, injuries that he's had, uh, if he can get back to being T.Y. and balance that offense, then there's kind of nothing that the Colts can't do uh, offensively uh, because they're already running the ball great. And if they can start getting big pass plays, and that makes them a very well-rounded team offensively. But uh, until he does that, until he proves that he's back to being T.Y., I'm going to have to uh, assume that the Colts' offense will continue to struggle through the air the way they have. And I'll definitely take Houston the way they're playing right now. They're just playing much better team football than the Colts at this stage uh, of the season. So I will take Houston in the one point. Uh, the 49ers and the Redskins, uh, San Fran is 5-0, and Washington is 1-5, and so this spread shouldn't surprise anybody. The Niners are 10-point favorites on the road at the Redskins. Yeah, have we settled on, do we know who's even starting for the Redskins tomorrow? 
haven't heard anything other uh, so that makes me believe it's going to have to once again be uh, Case Keenum. Case Keenum, yeah. It does. Does it? Okay. Here's my second question. Does it matter? <laughs> I don't think it really matters. Yeah, I'll take the Niners. <laughs> uh, I concur, and I don't think I really have anything. We, we don't. That's not a game that needs a that. lot of expansion. Uh, Niners defense is they're they're crushing it right now, and the Redskins are trash. So okay. Yeah, that's my one note on is the San Fran D gets <laughs> another bad offense. So one game, uh, that's about all you have to say about that. Slate action, uh, Titans and Clippers, uh, L.A. Chargers coming into Nashville to face the Tennessee Titans. We talked about the quarterback change. Uh, it will be Ryan Tannehill under center for the Titans. Uh, both these franchises are desperate, and they both need this win. The Two and four Clippers, two and a half point dogs at the two and four Titans. Yeah, the ultimate irony here is that this might be some of the best offensive weapons that Ryan Tannehill has had in his career. If you think about, like, okay, as you're in Miami, um, his time in Miami, he had some decent ones. But I think that these Titans weapons, I mean, Derrick Henry, um, Corey Davis, Delaney Walker, I mean, there are skill position players abounding all over this Titans team, which just tells you how bad Marcus Mariota has been that he hasn't been able to mine anything from these players who are very good and can show flashes. Uh, Delaney Walker, when he's getting the ball fed to him, is one of the best tight ends in the league. Derrick Henry is an absolute beast battering ram. And I think that Ryan Tannehill, one of the better backups now thrust into a starting position, a full week of reps against a Chargers team. Oh my God, this Chargers team. Oh, my God. I mean, maybe getting away from home will be good for them, but I Tennessee in this spot at home, they're always tough. They're generally well coached. They just went on the road and got embarrassed, benched their quarterback. I'm sorry, Chargers. I'm locking this up. Titans with Ryan Tannehill. Um, all they need to do is win by a field goal or better. This feels pretty good. Wow, I have absolutely nowhere near the confidence in this pick that you have. This is like my my confidence pool. I, this is honestly my one-point game. I had no idea which way I was going. This is one of the ones I had to sort of go in circles and talk myself through and try to figure out which way I wanted to go. So I started off uh, right off the bat. My impression was worried about the Titans getting a boost from the quarterback change and maybe coming in a little more hyped up than normal. And it doesn't take much to discourage the San Diego Clippers these days, because as we <laughs> saw on Sunday, a dude, I mean, basically uh, well, a dude and watching the game too. When you, you can see when they get discouraged, they just go to shit. Their, their body language is awful. Philip Rivers, of course, uh, at the, at the, at the head of the pack when it comes to that, but yeah, it doesn't take much to make them feel bad about themselves. Um, so then I got worried the other way because of a stat I heard on the Pro Football Focus podcast, which was last year, Marcus Mariota, number one in the league, or dead last, whichever way you want to read the stat, but uh, lead, led the league in turning pressure into sacks. The number, the percentage of times that you're under pressure that you then turn into uh, taking a sack. Marcus Mariota was number one last year. Guess who was number two last year? That's right, Ryan Tannehill. 
<laughs> so then I'm like, well, is it really much of a change? Are we really going to see too much difference uh, tomorrow? Are we going to have the same thing uh, with a quarterback that just takes pressure and, and turtles and goes under? And the difference being Tannehill doesn't have the athleticism to every now and then make a, a, a big running play out of that pressure. Uh, at least Mariota occasionally uh, had a big run. So now I'm like, well, if the Chargers can get pressure, now, now I'm, I'm worried. Maybe I want to take the Chargers. What kind of pressure are the Chargers getting? How many sacks do they have this year? Oh, look, they only have 12 sacks as a team this year in six games, and they don't have Melvin Ingram, and they don't have Brandon Meebane tomorrow. Okay, I guess I'll take the Titans. So that's circular logic. After all that, I'm going to come around and say that the, the Titans do get some sort of boost from Ryan Tannehill and, and make some more plays offensively than they have been with Mariota. I don't feel anywhere near as confident about it as you do. <laughs> I, uh, I feel I confident from the standpoint that the Titans, I think will be able to run a more conventional offense, which I think with the position players that they have, that it, it's okay to run the ball and drop back and throw from the pocket. And Marcus Mariota for what the last two seasons has been basically trying to throw the football with a, what a, probably is a broken arm. I mean, he, he, he's Cam Newton disease. I mean, he, his, his arm injuries, and you can see that every, every, he can't get the ball down the field. Ryan Tannehill can at least be a somewhat competent thrower of the football. And I think if you are, uh, if you've got a lot of, if you've got Titan skill position guys, if you've got like Tajay Sharp or the Lady Walker by some miracle or Corey Davis, if any of these guys are sitting around on your fantasy waiver wire, it might be a good speculative play. Ooh, you'd love, or if you you'd really some love week replacements. I, I, yeah, I'm not saying that Ryan Tannehill's the the greatest thing ever, but Marcus Mariota was death for fantasy skill <laughs> position players. That he was. So <laughs> just just a mild upgrade there, and most of these guys are probably because of the lack of production from Mariota. Most of these guys are probably sitting there just waiting to be claimed. And A.J. Brown is pretty fresh on the year. I don't think he's had much action. Yeah. Uh, so on to the Ravens and the Seahawks from there, another tough one. Uh, Baltimore at 4-2 and two after their win last week, but they didn't cover. Uh, cop-out line, three-point dogs at Russell Wilson, now apparently a lot to be the MVP after Pat Mahomes' injury, uh, and the 5-1 and one Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, I think even if Mahomes, this is the easy thing to say now, but if Mahomes truly only misses the three games and then comes back and lights up the league for the last five or six weeks, he'll still be the MVP. Um, this is Russell Wilson 1.0 and Russell Wilson 2.0, right? Isn't that the comparison that we keep getting made? But I'll tell you what's so much more superior about Russell Wilson 1.0 He's still the running quarterback who's looking to throw the football. He is the guy who breaks contain and tries to put the dagger in your heart. I would say that Russell Wilson 2.0 isn't Lamar Jackson. It's uh, Deshaun Watson. I, I see a lot hmm. more Russell Wilson and Deshaun Watson than I ever would see uh, Lamar Jackson comp uh, compared to uh, the Russell Wilson. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take the Seahawks here, the 12th man at home. They haven't, that, that home field advantage hasn't been as great as it was in the past. But I think Seattle playing against what's virtually – again, throw out that week one performance against the Dolphins. You got Everybody, all stats against the Dolphins should be scrubbed this season um, because I don't think Lamar Jackson outside of that has been anywhere near the same guy when he looked like the absolute world beater 
Um, and we thought, well, he's arrived, and, and he's, he's throwing for all these touchdowns. Yeah, the Dolphins are trash, and we figured that out pretty fast. So I think everything there gets discounted. I like Seattle here at home. Baltimore going cross country. It's a tough place to play. Lamar Jackson, if he is one-dimensional and is just, you know, first read, take off, I think Seattle and Pete Carroll will figure that out, and I think it'll be enough for the Seahawks to win with the cop-out. And Seattle is always a tough place to play, like you just said, and also it's Lamar Jackson's first time in that environment. Um, So you're talking about basically not a rookie quarterback, but sort of like a rookie because, of course, he didn't play the first half of last year. Um, so you, you're trying to take a, a rookie basically uh, and put him in that situation. And again, it, it, to me, it still comes back to that weapon that Hollywood Brown has been for the Ravens in, in the brief time that he's been there and he can't practice on that ankle. So I don't see any way he's going to make it out there on the field tomorrow uh, in Seattle. Uh, yeah. You damn right. They're run one dimensional when they have no other viable downfield threats again Lamar Jackson checking down to Mark Andrews every play is not uh, an offense that I'm really interested in no matter how many times or how many yards Lamar Jackson runs for I don't care how many records he breaks in running yards if you can't really complement that with the the passing attack downfield uh, then you don't really have anything uh, that I'm interested in Uh, so he really does make that much of a difference to me Um, so I'm going to wind up uh concurring with you and taking the Seahawks and giving the three points. Uh, no Jimmy Smith on the back end for the uh, Baltimore Ravens. Again, their cornerbacks uh, have been getting toasted. They make their panic move and trade uh, for Marcus Peters, who uh, has had better days uh, in his career. So we'll see how that works out, but I don't think it's going to be uh, too much of a, of a difference maker for the Ravens. Uh, and Earl Thomas returns first uh, uh, appearance in Seattle since uh, the last time, uh, do you think they're going to have a, a video for Earl Thomas uh, that they're going to roll out for? Seattle? Yeah, yeah, especially <laughs> that that stunning tribute he gave to the to Pete Carroll and the coaching staff as he was carted off the field. Don't think that will be in the video. How I'm how many fans guessing. are going to flip him off tomorrow? <laughs> I, I'm uh, just saying. I, I, I do you think that he gets the one finger salute from the fans in Seattle or from some of them, anyways? That whether it's ironic or people think they're being funny, but you know, I'll say this: uh, it, it can't be proven, so there's no way to for, to me to be proven right or wrong on this. I think he'll get that from a lot of the upper deck, cheaper seat, drunker type fans uh, who will remember that, yeah. uh, but not from the lower level season tickets, a uh, little more upper class fans. They'll be the ones applauding him and remembering what he did for the franchise. But some sure. of the drunks in the upper deck will be giving him that salute. But those fans sitting in the high-priced seats, I've been to enough Cubs games to know that those are the ones that are right behind the Cubs dugout who clap for every pitcher no matter how bad he just did. <laughs> hey, good job. Way to go. Good job. Right. Just gave up seven runs in a third of an inning. Get him <laughs> next time. Yay. Everybody else is booing the guy out of the stadium, and there's that little group of fans right behind the dugout clapping. You know what? It's it, it's not different uh, in the minor leagues either. There's people behind the Redbirds dugouts down here in Memphis that applaud every pitcher that comes out, no matter how terrible they are. So uh, everywhere you go, you got your, your home field boosters that'll just applaud no matter what you do. So I guess that's universal. 
uh, onto the Saints and the Bears. Uh, New Orleans and, and Teddy Checkdown just keep chugging along. They're five and one, and now four and zero oh with Teddy Bridgewater under center. I guess there's a, a quarterback controversy. We're gonna keep making that joke every week until Drew Brees comes back. Um, and the Bears coming off of the bye after their debacle over in England against the Raiders. But uh, apparently Mitch Trubisky is going to be able to come back and play. Uh, Matt Nagy's being secretive and is not officially announcing him as the starter tomorrow, but he's been practicing all week. So he's probably going to take uh, take the ball tomorrow and not chase Daniel. Uh, with that knowledge, uh, New Orleans is the three and a hook, three and a half point underdog at Chicago. What, what's really impressed me here about the run that the Saints have gone on here since Drew Brees got injured has sort of been the malleability of Teddy Bridgewater in the Saints offense. That it seems like every way, this is coaching, uh, this is very very reminiscent of the performance that we get out of the Patriots when, when Tom Brady is hurt. It just becomes this sort of, I hate to say it, but you take it one game at a time, you play the opponent that's in front of you, but you sort of mold everything to what you're doing. It's like when they need Teddy Bridgewater to be a game manager, he's the ultimate game manager. When they need him to throw the ball and throw it all over the field like they did against Tampa Bay and they needed a lot of points, it was like, there it is. It was all there. This is a game where you're going to need Teddy Bridgewater to play with himself. Don't be sloppy. Don't turn the ball over. Get it out quick. Don't let that Bears pass rush get after it. And for some reason, this all seems to be working for the Saints. I think the Bears are giving them too many points. Uh, I do think the Bears do have the ability to win this game, but it could be a field goal game or a two-point game. I think that Sean Payton and this coaching staff has proven that they can keep anything close right now, and the Saints are sort of one of those like sneaky best teams in football right now. They're not. I don't know if they're the best team in football, but from a coaching standpoint and what they have squeezed out of Teddy Bridgewater here so far, it's been very impressive. Uh, Kamara not being out there could be a big deal, but it wasn't enough for me to not think that they're not good enough to coach their way around that either. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take the Saints and the points. I agree that it should be a, a close game one way or the other. Um, I feel as strongly about uh, slamming the under on this game as I did last week for that Tennessee-Denver game. So just letting y'all know that. Um, I don't see either offense doing much against uh, the opposing team, uh, not because the Saints defense is any great shakes, but because, of course, the Bears offense has struggled to be consistent this year, uh, very much so. Uh, And then on the other side, Chicago's defense coming off of getting embarrassed by Murga uh, and having a a week to sort of stew and and think about that, uh, come back into their home stadium. Uh, against Teddy Bridgewater and the Saints, and I anticipate the Bears having a really big return to their status uh, and and putting the clamps down on the Saints. Uh, But as far as uh, Chicago being able to win and cover that number, I think it happens if Matt Nagy keeps the offense simple. He has to for for Trubisky. He can't be coming out there uh, with these trick plays and, and run pass options and things of that nature. So I'm going to do a contingency pick. No, I'm kidding. I'm not going to. No. Uh, <laughs> but your contingency pick is contingent based on Matt Nagy's play calling? Yes. If they run more than three trick plays in the first half, <laughs> I officially switch my pick to the Saints. No, I'm not going to do that. Um, um, I, I believe the, that the uh, producers here at IMLD will not allow that. <laughs> oh, damn it. Oh, well, I, that would be I, I the tried. most. That would be the. That would be crazy if if we had those kinds of. <laughs> if the if the Bears 
uh, throw for more than 200 yards, I'm going to take the Bears. (laughs) That's how we're going to go, huh? Well, I'm desperate again. I'm under 500, and I'm trying to find new angles every day. And you're tied with me. That's even worse. You know, you're down in my level right now. Uh, Just trying to figure it out. So I kind of agree that the best game management quarterback wins the game. But I believe that because the Bears' defense will come back so hungry and so angry from from England, that this has to be Trubisky being the better game manager quarterback if he's coached correctly, if Matt Nagy can get out of his own head enough to just call a basic offense and have the Bears just do the basics. So I definitely don't see them blowing the Saints out or winning this game by two touchdowns or anything like that. Um, And I'm definitely scared of that hook. But I got to be honest, after all of my little calculations and whatnot, I had the Bears winning by four, so I kind of have to take Chicago. On to Sunday night football and Philadelphia and Dallas, and it's it's a law. You got to have a, a, an NFC East game on Sunday yeah. night football with your favorite broadcasting curious. crew. I'd be curious to know how many Cowboys uh, NFC East matchups are primetime matchups every year. This is interminable. This is interminable. At least they're not playing the Giants. It it felt like they were playing the Giants on Sunday night every year. In week one. Right. Uh, But it's the Eagles instead of the Giants on Sunday night. Uh, Both teams uh, at 500 and desperate as hell. Uh, Cowboys started 3-0 and now are 3-3 and and – can you imagine if they go three and four? You remember all the the, the chatter? Oh yeah, they're three Bowl and zero. Oh, Dak and, Prescott's MVP. Right, and... Dak's, Dak's going to get this huge contract. He's going to be the yeah. highest paid quarterback in football. And uh, where is all of that? <laughs> now and now and now, Jason Garrett's about to get shit canned. Dak yeah. Prescott's going to be homeless soon. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just this is just the media frenzy of everything now. Well, no, it, to me, it's more so the, the stupidity of how the Cowboys organization is run. Because if you have an owner who doesn't have his head up his ass, he doesn't allow all of that chatter to, to happen like that. He That comes from him on his radio show every week, talking about how Dak is going to get this contract and Jason Garrett's going to get extended and, and everything is great. And uh, that, that all comes from him being a, a complete douchebag. Uh, and now he's, you're not hearing any of that anymore from him. But anyway. Uh, with all of that, the three and three Eagles are two and a half point dogs, so a very slight amount of money put on the Eagles. Uh, Philly plus two and a half at the Cowboys. I had actually contemplated taking this as my lock of the week. Um, going with the Cowboys here. I know this is not a pick that Ooh. I feel extremely confident about, but man, that Philadelphia back end. On the road here, I think there's going to be a, they're going to get that healthy healthy dose of that softening up from the running game of the of the Cowboys and that offensive line, even though it's not as good as it once was. But I know this is a tough game, and the Eagles and and, and Doug Peterson and they always play tough. But I, I think that we've seen the Eagles now succumb to these defensive deficiencies a few times now, and they did it in Atlanta. They've done it in Minnesota. Um, so the, here's the key: they're doing it on the road. So the Eagles are not traveling well, and bad defenses generally don't travel well, even though Carson Wentz has been holding it all together, and there had been talk about was they resurged a little bit there. There was Carson Wentz MVP talk, but I, I've got this weird, like, who's the more desperate team feeling? I have a feeling that the Eagles could lose this game and are still sort of mentally tough to move through it. 
I think if the Cowboys lose this game, their whole world collapses. So I think they're going to play as the more desperate team. Uh, if they go to three and four, sports media all week is just going to completely trash them. How did you lose to these guys who were all hurt? And now you're, you know, the Eagles are in first place. Yeah, I can. So I think that the Cowboys come out with a little bit more urgency. I think Jason Garrett's feeling that seat getting a little warm under his behind. And Dak Prescott's playing for some money. Everybody wants to get paid. So I could see the Cowboys here, especially with this spread being so small against that bad. Oh, man. Are they, boom. We just talked about it. We were talking about last week's games about how awful the Eagles are on the back end. And uh, I think the Cowboys take advantage of it. I'm going to take the Cowboys here. And I contemplated uh, locking this up. Um, I, I kept going back and forth between this and the Titans. But, yeah, I, I, I like the Cowboys in this spot, even though, boy, wouldn't this just be so perfect for them to lay an egg? Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, Kirk Cousins had multiple guys running free. He had his choice of people to to throw long touchdowns to uh, against the Eagles last week because that's how terrible uh, they're playing in the secondary because of all the injuries and replacements and whatnot. So uh, all the injuries for both teams made this really hard for me to pick. I didn't know who I wanted in this game before I sat down and and tried to figure it out. But uh, you got – the, the cornerback situation for the Eagles is still bad. Uh, Avante Maddox out. Uh, Jalen Mills, Ronald Darby supposed to try to come back and play. Um, still got injuries with uh, Tim Jernigan, Nigel Bradham, Deshaun Jackson. The, the, the Eagles are really, really beat up. Uh, they have been for a while. Uh, they've been gutting it out and competing uh, despite that. The Cowboys are not whole either. Uh, they had Amari Cooper uh, sit out last week after trying to, to play. They had Randall Cobb sit out last week. Uh, I think they're both expected to try to play tomorrow, but who knows how uh, effective either one of them are going to be. So uh, it's, it's a tough game to pick. I, I would advise anyone who was thinking of uh, – I, I know you, uh, some of you degenerate gamblers love that Sunday night action because it's the, the nightcap to your day. But, man, I, I kind of would advise to stay away from this one because I don't know uh, – that. It, it, I, I get in the same vibe that Jason was just talking about. It would be just like the Cowboys to find a way uh, to, to lose this game and, and not take advantage uh, of the wide open back end that the Eagles uh, provide for you. Um, but I'm going to agree with him and take the Cowboys because I'm for the exact same reason. I'm so scared uh, to take the Eagles because of how easy it is to, to go through the air against them right now with all their injuries. So uh, I think even Dak Prescott can figure out a way to exploit them tomorrow night. Uh, and, and Amari Cooper uh, being there and, and halfway playing. And I, I think it's all about the, the running game. As long as Zeke Elliott is there and, and doing what he's supposed to do, that makes everything else better for the Cowboys. On Monday night, it's AFC East action. This always seemed a little strange when the Patriots go on the road on Monday night inside their division because it's kind of like the other team's Super Bowl. I remember the Buffalo Bills giving them all sorts of fits last year. Yeah. Uh, so New England at 6-0 and at the New York Jets at 1-4. and The Patriots give nine and a half points on the road at gangrene. That's a huge number, but I hate to say it feels like a value here for the Patriots, so I'm going to go ahead and take them. This feels like the Sam Darnold value is finally starting to come through. Like they saw Sam Darnold beat the Cowboys – and I think this number probably moved down a good four or five points. So basically asking the Patriots to beat a pretty awful Jets team by 10 points. I, I could, I could see that. 
Um, if Sam Darnold is truly the second coming here and he, he's going to go out and he balls out and, and keeps this game super close or even beats the Patriots, then talk to me after that game because then maybe maybe you'll start getting some belief out of me. But until that happens, I'll keep going with the Patriots and the stifling defense against a young quarterback um, at home making a start second start after mono. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take the Patriots. Uh, you kind of copy my note word for word on that one, so I don't have to go on too much about it. Uh, good job, Sam Darnold, last week against the Cowboys. Now do it again. Go ahead and show me what you got again against the Patriots. You want to throw 95-yard touchdown passes against the Patriots, uh, go right ahead if you can pull that off. Uh, congratulations if you do, but I'm not buying it either. Uh, so I will concur with you, take the Patriots and give the nine and a half is just part of that same new England early schedule that another cupcake is just, they just keep rolling along and everyone believes that they're so great. And okay. Well, uh, just part of the, part of the, and, and it's Monday night. So it might be a little weird. It might be one of those tied at halftime, crazy games, but in the end, the Patriots will be the Patriots morning after show when we come back. Now into our VIP after show program. Yeah, we got the timing down on that one uh, perfectly yeah. as well. And don't forget, this is a rematch of that 20-point spread that the Patriots couldn't cover <laughs> uh, the last go-round, only by virtue of the fact that they gave up, gave up a pick six by, right. by Garrett Stidham or Stidham or whatever the hell his name is, and a defensive and a, uh, and a special teams touchdown to the Jets. So the Jets actually scored zero offensive zero. points. And still covered that number because they uh, sat Brady down, put Stidham in to promptly throw a pick six, and then sat Stidham down to put Brady back out there. I believe I had that one. So that's one pick I've gotten uh, over you that, on that one. Uh, you, you you did have that one. Although the Patriots <laughs> dominated, completely yeah. dominated that game um, and still couldn't cover the number. But it wasn't completely. because they were, I mean, they were easily – 20 points better or 20 some points better than the jets, a special teams touchdown and a defensive <laughs> touchdown. Are you kidding me? That just offense me? went nowhere. I mean, who was that? Was that Lawrence Welk? Who was that playing quarterback <laughs> for the jets? I couldn't even remember the guy's name. Tony Falk, the, the former oh, uh, Tony Falk, NBA Lawrence point guard. Welk. <laughs> Peter Falk, the, the guy. Peter Falk, Columbo. Colombo was playing quarterback. Oh my god! Yeah, that was that was a bad one. That was the week where I was flip flopped on the twenty point spreads, and you got me on both of them. But we're still tied for the season, so nah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, there was uh, some games that really popped out to me as, as easy picks, and there were others I had to grind through. But yeah. You, you said you pretty much saw it pretty clearly. I breezed right through this week, which was weird. And we differed a lot early, and it seemed like yeah. we were a lot more kumbaya late. So I was worried that this was going to be one of those weeks where we differ on like nine games. But right. it felt like probably six, I would say, maybe five or six, because we really did go lockstep once we got to basically that Niners pick. I don't know if we differed uh, the rest of the way. We both had the Saints, or did you have the Bears? I have the Bears, so it is okay. six picks. So that's the, uh, it is six. That was the six. Five okay. of them early. Yep. Wow. Yeah, well, there aren't many late games this week. Right, only the, the three. Yeah, so that's a very light afternoon schedule. 
Um, so yeah, five games early will kind of set the tone for our week. So if it yeah, turns out that one of us is up three, two on the other, it'll come down to bears saints. So <laughs> we'll see how that goes. And it's not like I have, again, the most confidence in the bears. I only have a winning by four, but I, I, that's who I got. I got to go with my pick. And this has got to feel this, this feels like a week that we would split right down the middle. Doesn't it? Probably. Yeah. You know, or a, or a three, two and one, you know, we get a push somewhere. I'm trying to, if I did get up, because the Bills just much... win 17 nothing, <laughs> which I could very easily see. Are you hammering yeah. that under again? Are we hammer? Are you hammering the under? Uh, not, not necessarily, because again, it's uh, turnover Bernie Sanders. He might give the Buffalo Bills four touchdowns himself, so you never know. <laughs> uh, he, he might throw two pick sixes and he might fumble uh, two balls yeah. to the, the, through the back of the end zone or something. We haven't, we haven't had a good nickname. Uh, in a while, you know, so we got to get some, we got to start getting some of these guys, some nicknames, uh, but they, they, they do kind of creep up, you know? Yeah. They, they they'll occur, uh, yeah. organically. Matt, you know, we, we have, you know, we have Messiah and black Jesus and turnover, Bernie Sanders and interception, Santa, probably my all time favorite interception, Santa, <laughs> um, you know, China so, doll. Oh. Sunday night crew tried to make uh, Duck Devlin or whatever the, the the kid was. They hammered that man. Good grief! Every I swear, every time I went got up and went to the kitchen and came back uh, with some food, they were once again relaying the story of I, the, the. I can't the stand. I, I swear, I can't stand anything about the Sunday night broadcast. Football night in America is terrible. I can't stand the Carrie Underwood. Entry song. I can't stand that crew. I mean, it literally makes me feel like when I am watching anything on NBC produced football, it's like football for dummies. <laughs> you it know, it's like if they made a book football and... for dummies, it would be written by Dick Ebersol, and <laughs> it would be everything all about how to overproduce football for the idiot masses because that is that entire broadcast. Yeah, it's clearly glammed up and uh, glossy to try to entice people who don't necessarily watch football to keep sticking around and watching. They're trying to make it as as shimmering and, and glamorous as possible. If they could have a Kardashian sitting there at the corner of the screen the entire time, just to make people keep looking. Oh, is it? What is? What's going on over there? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it, yeah, it's bad. So it, it it's hard to watch. I still watch because they. They'll get good games into those spots, but yeah. You you watch for the football, not for the production. No, definitely not for Michaels and Collinsworth, who are way past prime. Uh, on the uh, somewhat of, of the same topic, but definitely off of football, uh, WWE has started broadcasting on Fox Network now. They moved sure, their stuff. SmackDown is on. Fox yeah. now, right? I actually Friday have to say Smackdown. that the, 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 the commercial, the promo that they cut, that commercial about getting everybody yeah. all excited about it, was a pretty good one. Yeah. I yeah, don't like a star, but <laughs> it, it's a good commercial. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, we haven't talked you know, about right it at all. But yeah. where you get the guy throw down, you got like Stone Cold, like, oh, hell yeah. I'm like, all right, I can yeah. They're getting a the glass going. broke, baby. Yeah. They're getting some people excited about. That didn't get me excited about it, but if I was a wrestling fan, 
man, I'd, I'd been pumped for that commercial about, you know, some like a TV show moving networks. Okay, but yeah, well produced, well produced commercial. Well, not just networks, but it's the first major network, and we're we're so old, we almost still kind of chuckle at Fox being and a major network because um, the last major network to carry wrestling, wrestling. Right, and that wasn't that was just Saturday Night's main event. That wasn't a weekly thing. So this is the first time for every week for a real commitment. Uh, But when you were talking when we're talking about the NBC football telecast, it reminds me of what uh, SmackDown on Fox has looked like. Very much more glossy and uh, glamorous, and trying to capture the the casual fan's eye, the person who's flipping channels and looking ah. for something on Friday night and go, ooh, look at this. It's, Bright, uh, shiny ooh. object. And, and WWE has always been that. Uh, they've always been trying to be the, the bright, shiny object. They've they've been a three-ring circus since you know the 80s, since the Hulk Hogan era. So this is even more so, though. This is like as uh, they have brought in, uh, they, they did this silly little draft thing uh, over the last weekend where SmackDown drafts certain superstars to their show and Raw drafts superstars to their show right. is kind of the same people. Yeah, yeah, they they were sort of that reshuffling of the deck. It's a, it's it's sad that we talk intelligently about wrestling and I don't watch it, but okay. <laughs> There's nothing really to to miss. Is you it's can soap opera. You can, you can talk intelligently about it and never watch it. Yeah, it is literally soap opera. You could not watch a soap opera for three years, watch it for ten minutes, and know everything that's happened. Oh, she slept with so and so, but now yeah. she's sleeping with him and got pregnant. And okay. Oh, so um, now he's a bad guy and he's a good guy, <laughs> and this guy's manager turned on him. So you get the whole thing. It's a soap opera. That is white trash soap opera, right? <laughs> but. They're in, uh, so in love with being on Fox and trying to get everything uh, together with Fox now that they're on a big network. You should see all of the, the cameo and celebrity drops that they have on SmackDown. Oh. Uh, all of the different football crews have dropped on, on SmackDown and, and had a little taped one-minute segments uh, trying to act like they know something about wrestling. And, and you know Terry Bradshaw and Howie Long and Jimmy Johnson, all of them, uh, Troy Aikman, Joe Buck even had a segment at one point. Uh, re- you know, they're all really quick and pre-taped, but they're getting all the Fox celebrities and sports stars in there that they could possibly get, and they topped it off with the cheesiest thing you could have ever imagined, which is during their draft, they went to a quote-unquote war room because it's a draft, and oh. if you're having a draft, you have to have executives sitting in there in the war room figuring out which of the best wrestlers that they wanted. They have to give it the appearance of this like, is there's not executives scripted. That, that, that really care about this, and they're really yeah. pouring over things and trying to figure out. So they had a USA Network war room for Monday Night Raw, and they had a Fox war room for, for SmackDown. And the Fox war room, they decided to top that off with the stupid dancing robots in the war room. Celebrating their oh. draft picks. Oh, they no. went. They, yeah, they have completely like. Think about any guy that you've known that fell in love with a hot girl, and just started doing the dumbest shit you could possibly imagine, just because uh, he wants to impress her. Like wearing the the ugliest clothes you've ever seen, uh, trying to speak more intelligently and and not sounding like himself. 
just uh, wear, uh, uh, wearing cologne that he's not supposed to wear, trying to just show out and be something completely different than who he is. This is what WWE has done uh, getting in bed with Fox now. They're trying to do everything that Fox has and, and trying to incorporate everything that Fox has to show them, hey, we're partners, we're business partners, we love you guys, and you love us, and we're all loving each other. It, it, it's so disgusting right now. It's, it, it's really hard to watch. This is branding. This is all this is. Yeah, it is. They're branding building. But it's so naked. It's so obvious and naked what's, what, what it is. And it's just, ugh. I mean, and, and it's not like we're not used to it, but it's just so obvious what's what's happening right now. When we're, I mean, you're, we're, football, which has been the most, I, I mean, they, they don't care. No. There's no shame with with Vince McMahon or any you know with any of these people or people who are making these executive decisions with the it is truly all about the money. So the fact that this could even leave you feeling you know like dirty about how shameless it is is like are you surprised? Uh I'm, no I'm not surprised. It's all about the money. It's all about the money. It, and it does remind me of uh, talking about that we've talked about it many times throughout the years, the NFL and how naked they are when they have the 450 million foot long American flag on the field for the national anthem. They don't really give a fuck about no, no, any of that. It's just, it's the money. Show, the pregame show on the deck of the aircraft carrier, I think was <laughs> sharp for me. Oh my God. Yeah. That was yeah. in the midst of all of the Kaepernick stuff, and they were going so all in with the rah 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 military stuff. No, no, and no! We love America. Look, we're even on the boat, the the navy oh, ship. Look, no, look how much it, we it, love it, America. Any any idea about what this Kaepernick stuff was all about? He he wasn't he wasn't protesting the military. Yeah, you know. The uh, military. Nothing, yeah, but you know the NF, you know people people saw their way in, and you know you had it coming from the president, and yeah, but it wasn't just it wasn't just Trump because you had it coming from here's Fox on the deck of the aircraft carrier. Look at us, because who mm-hmm. gives them boatloads of money for advertising? The military. That would be the military. Yeah, it just so, so again, it is all about the money. <laughs> the answer to every question is money. Yes. <laughs> So, Unfortunately, yeah, but, but it's true. I remember us talking about on the show how shameless that was, and you know, man, that was that was hard. That was that was painful. I remember that Veterans Day weekend, right in the midst of all the kneeling, and it's like there they are. There's, there's Kurt Menefee, and it's like, oh, this is yeah, too much. This is too much. And anyone that would think that it wasn't some sort of uh, naked PR stunt. I would just ask you, how many times have you seen that since then? Because that's not something they do all the time or every year. That's something they decided to do at that moment in time because people were accusing them of being anti-American because of the Kaepernick thing, which is so ludicrous. It's it's funny. Uh, But that's all they were doing it for was because they were getting negative backlash uh, PR-wise because of, of Kaepernick and everyone else kneeling. And that's all it was. And and once that died down, and once all the talk about that died down, they're not on the stupid uh, uh, navy ship anymore. They don't do that bullshit anymore. 
That was just for oh. for for that particular point in time when they were feeling a little heat and the, and they got together with the military and said, "How can we combat this? How can we tell people that we love America? We're not like that that dirty negro on his knees over there. We're totally different from that. Let's see, we love America. See, look, we're we're on the ship. See, we 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 love the military. So yeah, it's just as naked and obvious as it gets, and it's just uh this makes you nauseous. Oh yeah, because it was all it was just blatant about is about cash. And nobody cared who was black or white in that situation because last time I checked that that Fox panel all sitting up on the aircraft carrier filleting the military is mostly black dudes. <laughs> it, it's all kinds of people. It's all mixed up Howie Long yeah. and Jer- Jimmy Johnson. It, it, there's all sorts of really matter. matters, right? That green's the only color that matters. Green is the only color. Green rules everything. Doesn't matter if you're black, brown, purple, blue. No, green. That's the color that yeah. matters. So that that's what this uh, SmackDown right now reminds me of. Is just we just we're, solved all the problems in this country because <laughs> we just figured out there really is only one color that matters, and that's green. Oh, we figured that out years ago. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. We 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 have that drop. We have that money drop for a very good reason here on this show. It's always all about the money. Also, why we have zero sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that's because we don't have any listeners, which is also all about the money. Because if we, we had listeners, we then have people some. would advertise with us. We have some listeners. We know that. There's numbers. We, we go on, when I look on Blog Talk Radio and I look up the stats, our shows aren't pulling zero. No, but they're not pulling the type of listeners that would well, get us advertising. No, no. Of course not, <laughs> but still, uh, this is a this isn't the safest place. This isn't the safe space. Uh, <laughs> that's what you're looking for. Yes, that's what I tell my family every time I see them when they ask about the show. I said you kind of really don't want to listen because it's not really uh, clean. Um, it's entertaining. So, uh, we think it's entertaining. Oh yeah, uh, no, I know it's entertaining because I know people who've listened to our show and have enjoyed it. Yes, I've, I think the, the best moment that I had. It as well. I think the best moment that I had was when the one day I picked up my boss and was driving him to work, and I had our show playing because I wouldn't couldn't remember what our picks were. No. And he thought I was listening to the radio. No, see, because we're and, good as and, those jibbles. And, and he's sitting there, he's like, "Oh, oh, they're talking about the Packers. You're a big Packers fan, right?" So he's like, "Oh, they're talking about the Packers game, and they're listening." And I'm sitting there, and he's like, "Oh, oh," and he's like getting into it. And I was like. Uh, you know this is my show, right? <laughs> you know that's oh, me. That's you? That's you? Oh, <laughs> Well, okay. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, I play, when I listen to podcasts, or uh, especially podcasts, uh, you know, you have that option to artificially speed them up. Yeah. So I listen yeah, to our shows speed. at one and a half speed. So right. it just sounds like rapid fire the whole show. It doesn't sound like, we don't sound like the chipmunks. But it just sounds like that we're just like pop, 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 the whole show. So you listen to our show at 50% faster speed, and everything just sounds like it's much more crisp and it's coming off quick. And even even if there's stutters and anything like that or pauses, they don't last very long. And but that way I can you know, and I have an hour drive to work, I can get an hour and a half of our show in. That's the that's the reason I do it is to try to get in as much as I can because our shows they're long. And you yes. know, I want to get to, I want to get through uh, as much as I can. 
So I wrote in the show that two times speed is that's that's too much. <laughs> I know, I know exactly what you mean. I also listen to not just our show, but every podcast I listen yeah. to at, at one and a half speed, just trying to, uh, like you say, to get as much it. of it in. Yeah, if right. it's a shorter show I'm listening to, I can usually knock out two shows mm-hmm. in one drive. You know, that's why I don't mind having a little bit longer commute because between audiobooks and podcasts and, you know, all the stuff that's out there, I, I couldn't tell you the last time I straight up just listened to the radio for anything other than a live sporting event. Right. Yeah, and I'll even say uh, uh, there's a benefit to listening to not just our show, but any podcast at uh, the one and a half speed while I'm working my particular job I've uh, gone on to become a, a data entry clerk now but that's what I spend most of my day doing sure and I I feel like listening to podcasts at one and a half speed almost makes me key faster because I'm just makes you work faster yeah right and my it's like, uh, it's my like particular job is like, uh, it's like when people go to the gym to work out they're not working out to like Barry Manilow <laughs> Well, some of them might be. I don't know. No, I, I, mean, I maybe. Like this. <laughs> hey, you, have you ever gotten a good sweat onto the Copacabana? Come on. Um, That's probably the most up. <laughs> you just picked the one song. Because <laughs> I don't think anybody's on the. I don't think anybody's on the Peloton to can't smile without you. <laughs> no, you think I was going to go to Mandy or something? Come on. No. <laughs> sure. Wait a minute. Are we just break? Are we breaking down Barry Manilow on this show? Where's Sebastian? We, <laughs> don't don't summon the demon. Uh, yeah, we just went three. Just went three demon deep into Barry He's coming back. Oh yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, for people who else the after show, so nobody's gonna get this live. But uh, Jose Altuve just put the Astros into the World Series. Oh, cool! With a two-run jack off of Roldis Chapman in the bottom of the ninth. Wow, I'm sure they're going crazy there. Oh yeah, that was right after DJ LeMahieu had uh, hit a two-run homer off of Suna to tie it. Oh wow, I missed all the action but doing this show. I did. I don't know who. I don't remember who you had, but I at least got one of my World Series teams in. Oh, uh, I can't imagine I didn't have the Astros. Uh, I had the Astros, but I had the Braves. Ugh. Yeah. Nobody had the uh, Nationals. <laughs> no, hell no. Muttering and making a mess over here trying to find those sheets, but I do have our uh, picks for for the season. I did keep a hold of them. Yeah, I had Astros uh, over see. Braves. I had actually actually had Astros over Yankees in the ALCS because I have that on my phone here. So I actually perfectly nailed that one, and completely okay. was wrong on the uh, completely wrong on the other side on the National League side. Neither one of my teams. Yeah, 2019 preview. Uh, ALCS here, I have Astros over Yankees, so I'll take that one. And then I had NLCS uh, Braves over Cubs. Oops. And uh, I had the Astros. I had the Astros winning it all. Yep. Yep, I I got your picks. My picks are uh, not as successful. I missed out on both the the Cubs and the Red Sox. I had the, the... Oh, Goat Epstein World Series. World Series, sure. Yeah, and, and they both decided to, yeah, we're just going to skip the playoffs altogether. Yeah, so I had three out of the four teams that I had in the LCS uh, for the both leagues. At least I had three of the four teams that made the playoffs 
but neither the Brewer, uh, the Braves did not make the LCS um, losing in that game five, and the Cubs did not make the playoffs. And the Cardinals didn't look like they deserved to be in the playoffs after I watched that series against Washington. <laughs> that was some keystone cop shit that the Cardinals were doing, <laughs> especially in those last two games. Like you just could tell they wanted to go home. I, I could not believe, and I mean, I know for every Cub fan or Brewer fan, cause I live in Wisconsin and I'm a huge Cubs fan who was watching those or seriously watching that. All right, but I was watching Not that and thinking like. the same thing as most other Cub fans or Brewer fans. Like, we lost the division to this shit <laughs> because God, the Cardinals looked putrid. Now, just, I gotta give like that all year. I gotta give full credit to the Nationals, who I believe have had the best record in baseball since the first of July, mm-hmm. um, and proved that you can save three hundred and thirty million dollars and still make the World Series. Uh, yeah, despite letting him go, yeah, that was uh, yeah. what a lot of people have, have pointed that out. Uh, Take that money and buy more talent across your roster versus dumping all that money, which is why Mike Trout and Bryce Harper and A-Rod, when he got the big contract to go to uh, Texas and Seattle, um, you know, all those those guys don't win titles. It ha- it, it doesn't happen. They make a lot yeah. of money, but Bryce Harper gets to sit at home and watch his old team play in the World Series and look damn good uh, through the playoffs. Yeah, it's hard to argue that. Um, I still would like to have more uh, the more talented players in general across the board on my team, and guys like Trout and Harper seem to be you know, generational talent. So I still would like to take my chances. I, I'll add them and then I'll try to build around them. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's hard to argue that it seems like uh, it's the teams that build from the, the ground up and get their kids up there uh, at a cheap price, uh, as opposed to going out and get the, the big money, uh, big ticket free agent item. Yeah. So cautionary tale. I mean, you could, I think you can do, and I'm not saying do more with less. I'm not saying don't spend the money, but ro- build your roster. Well, well, that's I, probably the biggest key is, is just build the roster. It's yeah, not so much to not pay for, for Bryce Harper or Mike Trout. It's more just be better at building the other parts of your roster. Right. And when you get to the point where you want to pay those guys the 330 whatever a million dollars, don't pay the guy to be the only good player on your team like the Angels did. You pay that guy when you're ready to go to that next level and all the pieces are in place, and that's what it's going to take, keeping Mike Trout or bringing in Bryce Harper. And neither one of those teams, the Phillies or the Angels, were ready for that. Or the Mariners when they signed A-Rod for the ridiculous deal. Or was it the Rangers who signed him? Yeah, the Rangers yeah. who outbid the Texas gave him the 250. Yeah, Texas outbidding themselves for A-Rod's services and didn't win Jack. And basically when he finally did win was that when they dumped him off on the Yankees, um, not even the Yankees necessarily giving him all the money. Right. It was Texas doing a dump. Just like, oh, my God, we can't keep paying this guy, you know, $25, $30 million a year. So, no, good for the Nationals. I'm looking forward to these pitching matchups. Uh Oh, how could you not? Come on. Yeah. Ver, and, and you Verlander and, and Scherzer. 
I have you and I have both been. We haven't talked about it as much on the show, but all these balls dying on the track in the hmm. playoffs. Hmm. Things that make you go, hmm. Something, something seems different. It's uh, the return of the, uh, the the WTP. We've talked about it a lot throughout the years. It's been a lot of warning track power in these playoffs, boy. And not uh, on lightly hit balls. No, on balls that you, and it's not just where you look at it. Guys like us that have been watching baseball for 30 some odd yes. years that look at a ball that gets jacked and, and go, oh, that's gone. And, and then dies it on the dies track. on the track. Yeah, that so would that, be called Dan Pasqua uh, <laughs> right there. Now there's some way Man, back. Man, that's a, that's a throwback. Nobody had more warning track power than Dan <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Shout out to they, Dan Pasqua, wherever you are. Dan Pasqua would have been the all-time home run king. Man. I love me some Dan Pasqua. Just, just did not have. If Dan Pasqua played in, with this baseball this year, oh he'd have hit God. sixty home runs. That's true, I will give you that one. Because yeah. no, so would have Adam done. Nobody left more balls three feet short of the wall. <laughs> Danny Pasqua, man. There's a so there's Matt, a blast from the past for you. When I thought, when I think warning track power, that's who I think oof. of. That that's way back. So it's bad enough when longtime observers like us see balls that we think should have been gone die on the warning track. The real key to knowing that these balls are different, watch the player who hits the ball. Watch his reaction. These guys are are hitting these balls, and they're dropping the bat, and they're starting their trot, and then all of a sudden they're getting around to first base. They're like, what? The ball gets caught. And the next shit after the ball gets caught. Hey, what happened? Is you look at the batter standing there at the first base bag with his mouth open, like, what? Yeah. Uh-huh. I thought that was gone. What? The, he's looking at this, like, what? What was that? I, I just knew that was out of here. Playoffs in a nutshell. This is why the Twins yeah. got sucked. <laughs> right. When you lead the world in home runs and then the ball is different, it changes the game. It's a complete, it's literally a game changer when you have a different. Whatever's going on with the baseball, uh, it, it completely changes everything. And then the Yankees, who were second in the world in home runs, uh, get through the the get through the Twins, come to this series and can't do anything, and now they're out. Uh, and and you so, yeah. really saw you really saw this in the deficiencies with the Yankees because the Yankees they couldn't hit with runners on base, they couldn't move runners, right. all the things that we talked about during the regular season about what was going to happen to these teams mashing all these home runs when they got to October, how it was going to fall miser- fail miserably, and all the teams that advanced were more well-rounded teams, teams that could pitch, teams that could uh, add speed. Um, you know, especially the Astros, may have... the Astros. I don't care what the records were. The Astros are the best team in the league. Yeah. But we may have been made to look like fools by, by saying that if they would have kept the, the ball from the regular yeah. season. Oh yeah, I mean, everyone we would have kept jacking. If every game of that Twins Yankees series was thirteen to eleven, and yeah. you know, yeah, but that didn't Yankees happen. May not have won, but they sure would have had a chance. But the way the ball is now, they never had a chance in that series. It never. Took, it took. I didn't even have to get halfway through the divisional round to be like, this is something's off here. 
Yeah, everybody so knows it. Everybody's saying it. Houston series. I think it was game one or game two against Houston where Didi Gregorius hit a ball that would have oh. been 40 rows deep. Yeah, I remember it. it died on the track. Yep. Yeah, look yeah, at the play like, reaction when he hit these I, balls. I had my suspicion in the divisional round. When I saw that, I was like, yeah, you know, this isn't this isn't cooler weather or better pitching. These are different baseballs. These are the normal baseballs. <laughs> yeah, it, it's uh, I, I I don't want to be the conspiracy theorist, but it does feel like we're being engineered and we're being played with. You get the the, the Super Bowl in the regular season and get yeah, everybody excited and for home runs. every team no broke their record for home runs. Yeah, and the fantasy implications of that, right? It, it, just all the things that were going on with that. Uh, and what tied into that and all these light hitting guys. I mean, Kettle Marte. Oh my God. That's your guy. <laughs> I know I crapped all over him all year, but Kettle Marte in, with a normal baseball might hit four or five jacks a year. And he's just <laughs> crushing the ball. Uh, you know, Jorge Polanco, the other one. Oh, my God. Um, well, all those twins, yeah. really, but yeah. All, yeah. all the twins, but all these light-hitting middle infielders who are now just, just jacking balls out of the stadium. And now we get to October, and power hitters are just lining out to the track. Who's the part-time catcher for the Twins who had 30 homers? Like Garver? Come yeah. On. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. So, uh, and I prefer the brand of baseball that we're seeing now where I feel like it's been cheapened is that it makes me feel like, well, are the teams that deserve to be in the playoffs in the playoffs? Mm. Because they all got here on the pedigree of just bashing their skull of their opponents in with home runs but they're all losing the teams that honestly probably deserve to be there. I mean, the nationals, I didn't, did, I did not watch anything in either round of the postseason that told me the nationals didn't deserve to be there. Right. Well, you know, but that's because they have the pitching. The way that they just manhandled the Cardinals was the Cardinals have one hit in each of the first two games. Right. Yeah. That, that I was mean, never a contest. Yeah. That last game, the, 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 the clincher, where the Cardinals are just booting the ball all over the field and they're they're kicking balls and they just they were done they were Brady Quinn done they wanted to go home it was awful completely yeah they they knew what was going on they knew what now was I'm done so. but that's that's yeah. your uh, there so I feel good about getting a team into the World Series over the team I thought they would get to get into the World Series and the other because I have to feel good about that because I was so far off in the National League it's not even funny. Although well, I feel def- Braves I I was on the Braves all year. I thought they were the best team in the National League because I thought they were the Astros of the National League. I, I still think that. But their pitching is just uh, they don't have the pitching that Houston has. Right. Not even close, really, as far as I'm concerned, because no. they're maybe their best arm is Fulton Everidge, and he's way too inconsistent. So. And that last start that he had was that that was was he the one who started that game five, where they gave up like the ten runs in the first inning? Yes. Oh, <laughs> I remember we were uh, we went out to dinner with the kids. I think we had just gotten back from vacation. So we were going to take the kids out to dinner and I knew it was game five. Cause I remember we walked into the restaurant and they had the game up on one of the TVs and I saw the score. It was like seven, nothing. And I'm like, Oh wow. What inning is it? First inning. 
Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Similar reaction. I think I when the, when I first turned the TV on, it was five nothing already. I was like, oh, yeah. oh, well, damn. Yeah. So Atlanta's got all the offensive young talent in the world, but. I'm sure they'll be backing up the Brinks truck for for Garrett Cole or one of these top flight pitchers. They better. They they sure better. Yeah, so you definitely uh, got the the better of me in the preseason pick. Uh, But I may still come away with some moolah with the postseason bracket because it's still a perfect bracket for me. Oh, sure. So you had had Astros over? Yes, I did. And wow. I, every every round before that, I had it correct as well. So wow, uh, but that was where, that started once the playoffs began. Yes, that that was a pre-playoff uh, bracket. Got it. Uh, what I'm worried about is not accounting for the new ball. Uh, I th- there's uh, tiebreakers you had to pick uh, in case you had a, a perfect bracket with other people, and one of the first tiebreakers is number of postseason home runs. And I think my pick was pretty high, like maybe 70 uh, total, because I was going off of the ball being like it wasn't a regular season. It's not going to be 70, (laughs) not even close. So if someone else had some knowledge or or something and and took a a much lower number, then they're going to beat me in that tiebreaker for all the people that still have a perfect bracket. But I don't know how many people that would be at this point. But the, point, the fact is, I do have a perfect bracket, and I may be in line uh, to, to make a little money. Um, and I'll give them all the love and publicity that I could possibly give them, which I would love to have done to um, uh, PickWatch.com if they would have given me the money that I earned from winning the season last year, except they gave me bupkis. And I'm still a little salty about that, but that's okay. Uh, but we'll, we'll see what happens with this uh uh, MLB bracket, so I definitely have the Astros winning it all over uh, over the Nationals, I believe, in six games. So, um, so we'll we'll keep our fingers crossed, and then hopefully that'll come through and, and make me a little move Ah, well, and, and yeah, like you said, maybe they hopefully not find a way to give you nothing, not even a hat. Yeah, I, I want something. <laughs> if I have a perfect bracket, I want something from from MLB. It, it's MLB. You can come up. You can come up off a hat for me. MLB. You can afford it. Come on. They have the money. They definitely have the money. All right. You got anything else? No, I'm like actually yawning right now, and I didn't get a <laughs> chance to hit the button. Well, come on, two and a half hours, commercial free. Uh, you can't get. There's no better value on the internet than this show. For the low, low price of free. That's right. All the, the all the football knowledge, although our records don't really indicate that we have a lot of football knowledge this year. Um, you get we, a little we bit say of a lot of football words. We do. I don't know how we much do. we do. We start a basketball podcast. We could talk about tremendous upside potential. <laughs> With Hubie Brown as our special guest. Yes. And how many how many football podcasts out there this weekend have made Dan Pasqua references? Or Hubie Brown. And how many people would listen to this show and be like, who the fuck is Dan Pasqua? <laughs> Look it up, people. Google. Oh, my guy. Dan Pasqua. Yeah. Big, big, beefy man. Big Tree uh, trunk arms. Wasn't that tree trunk arms? Huge arms. Tree trunk arms? Huge. Yeah. <laughs> and he couldn't get the ball past the warning track. These little tiny. This is pre-steroids. Uh... This is pre-steroids. 
by the way. Well, we don't know what he was doing. He, well, he may have had he well, may have had an end with somebody. I'm I'm not trying to cast aspersions. I'm just saying he had some really big arms. I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> he worked out, allegedly. Yeah. And these little teeny eyeglasses. It never really the the appearance was was part of it with him. It was so unique because he had these huge huge ass arms. These little teeny eyeglasses when he was up at the plate and. And yeah, he, he would put some huge monster swings on balls, and they would always fall just short of the warning track. Yeah, but and they would look think, like they were gone when he hit them. Yeah, yeah, you, you'd always think somebody with arms that big should be hitting fifty homers every year, and, and it didn't quite work out for him. Well, maybe he can make a career comeback with these new balls. <laughs> At the age of sixty or whatever he is. Yeah. We- Guys, all start coming back now. How many of these guys do you think want another chance? I mean, for, look at Frank Thomas. You know, he could probably hit forty home runs a year, even right now. He's got the new Jets. Barry Bonds could break. Could be. Like <laughs> Barry Bonds could break his own record with the with the ball that they're using this year. Yeah, just using this ball. Come back and do it straight up, legit. It's the Barry Bonds Redemption Tour. Just keep doing the ball. To write a book is, uh, that's called If I Did It. <laughs> I didn't take steroids, but if I did. If I, oh my God. That's a collaboration with OJ. And <laughs> if if okay. we did it. It's, it. We can tell it's become like the witching hour here at the show now. It's, just, it's, it's slap happy time, folks. It, it is. This, but this is why uh, people need to stick around for the after show. Sometimes the best stuff is in the after show. And we're, and we don't, we're not even drinking. Imagine if we were drinking. I had a beer before the show. Oh, well, there it is. That explains yeah, it all. I had a light beer before the show. <laughs> you, you crazy, crazy dude. All right. Uh, so, yeah, that'll, that'll do it. Uh, six games were different on for uh, tomorrow. Um, yeah, I, I really want to go. I, this is my last chance. I haven't t- uh, talked about the situation at home, but – uh, my wife have, has been away for the past uh, almost month, past three weeks or so, um, taking care of some personal business, um, and she's due to be back next weekend. So this tomorrow, if I ever was going to drive down to to the uh, the Las Vegas of the South tunica, this is <laughs> <laughs> sorry, you said that almost with a straight face. <laughs> If I was ever going to drive down there on a on a football Sunday and bet some NFL action, then tomorrow would be my last chance. And, and but this ain't the week for it. Some of these games, not it's not bet every game. I don't have that much money to take yeah, down. But yeah, there. like the first three picks we made, you made sound like locks. I thought you were going to take right. three locks this week. Right. So like maybe those three and uh, the the Bears Saints under uh, as as like a little cheap parlay or something. Yeah, that does feel like a like a nineteen seventeen kind of game, doesn't it? Yeah, thirteen to nine, I think is my pick. I real real ah. low scoring. Uh, so yeah, if it's gonna happen, it will be tomorrow. Uh, not necessarily going to happen. Last, like I said, last Sunday I woke up intending to. I was gonna make breakfast and and make that drive, and I just all of a sudden just stopped and said, I just don't feel like I should. It, it's I, it's confidence as, as I was in some of those picks. Uh, it, it, if I, here's the thing. If I had the, the, the self-control to go down and bet like one game or two games, right, 
like that that under last week Tennessee and and Denver. Oh yeah, that, that was that, that, that felt, hit. Yeah, that felt lock of the week. Like if we could do over unders for lock of the week, that would have been it. Right, that would have hit. But who? That's a forty minute drive. I'm making. I'm not making a forty minute drive to bet one game. You know, so. <laughs> Do me a favor, drive down there and put money on all six of the games that we disagreed on, because I'm guaranteed to have a good week. I, I know you would love for me to do that, wouldn't you? You would love that. Uh, that's I, I that's a recipe that. for me to go five and one against you for the week. <laughs> uh, that will not be happening. So. Damn it. Yeah, but, but hey, I, I said what games I have a lot of confidence in. I'm locking in the, the Falcons one last time before they completely die. And <laughs> But yeah, that, that, but that's as much of, of how bad the Rams are looking right now than anything else. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll see how it turns out tomorrow, and uh, uh, we got our games that we're different on, and and should be should be a lot of fun. It it, uh, it, it does seem like a week that's going to be some some results that you're like, what the hell? Like, yeah, I, I didn't think see that the, at all. The, the show next week, uh, the first <laughs> yeah. half of that show, that'll be the what what the fuck? That'll be the yeah <laughs> exactly. that week eight. Um, that'll be special. And that's what gives me pause to go down and bet tomorrow because it just feels like there's going to be some results like, what the fuck is that? So are going to take a weekend to go down there and go do that. This ain't the week. <laughs> you're, you're saying this ain't the week. Okay. I, I, you know, I think you're convincing me here. You're trying here. to go because it's your last chance. Right, and I feel like I. But this is not a this is not a week that gives me the warm and fuzzies at all. I mean, I I blaze through these picks, but as I'm sitting here and looking at my picks in their totality, I'm like, yeah, like nine of these picks could go either way. <laughs> right. I made my picks confidently, but yeah, I'll drive off the cliff with confidence. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely understand what you're saying. So, yeah, I think yeah, I'm you're, the guy you're who told you how much better Sam Darnold is with uh, that Jets offense and still picked against them last week. So what the hell do we know, right? I brought out stats and then went against stats and lost the pick. So that that there you go. That, that's me. That's me in a nutshell right there. Spitting <laughs> in the face of stats and logic. Uh, that's our that's our new show uh, after Kings of Non Sequitur is over. Spitting in the face of stats and logic. <laughs> Spitting Jay and Dre. That, that doesn't roll off the tongue, but that can uh, be the that can be the sub the subheader. Oh, there you go. Underneath yeah. thirty years, spitting in the face of stats spitting and logic. Spitting in the face of stats and logic <laughs> for thirty years in much less detail. There you go. That's a tagline right there. That is. All right. Uh, Do uh, you have anything else? No, we said that 10 minutes ago. So let's go. Yeah, I know. (laughs) All right. He is Jay. I am Dre. This has been in much less detail, the podcast. Thank you all for listening. Uh, Give us some feedback. If you like our new format, if you like our uh, witty repartee, if you have any questions or thoughts or comments or anything like that, Uh, once again, Email in much less detail at gmail.com. Follow Jason on Twitter at IMLDJTG. Follow me on Twitter at IMLDDre. We'd love to hear from anyone who's listening, anyone out there. Uh, give us some feedback and let us know how you like the show or don't like it. Um, everybody enjoy your football tomorrow. Good luck with whatever uh, wagers you may be making. Um, and we will talk to you next weekend. Uh, oh, geez. Uh, next Saturday is uh, – actually when my wife comes back 
uh, in town. So uh, I just remembered we're going to have to do the show uh, Friday next week. Uh, the 25th. Okay. Yeah. All right. So we will see you back here. Week eight picks and week seven recap will be next Friday evening. Uh, I think you talk about uh, 10 o'clock central because you're working, right? Correct. Okay. 10 o'clock central, 11 o'clock Eastern next Friday. And we will talk to you then. Enjoy football. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in business into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.